Welcome to This Week in Marvel, episode number 284. Ooh! Yeah! This is the official Marvel podcast of all news, new releases, and sustained non-breathing. Yeah. I'm Agent M, VP and Executive Editor Ryan Panagos. Joined by Marvel ed- Digital Editorial... <sighs> still you almost get got it. it. Marvel Editorial Director of Digital Media, Ben Morse. Yeah. And I've been told that I need to cut down on the breathing by our intern, Angelica, who is also here. I mean, someone else noticed. It wasn't just me. Uh, yeah, so apparently I've been I've been tabbed for breathing. Yep. One of the things that humans need to do. Yeah. So maybe, Angelica, you'll turn his mic off when he's not talking. Yeah. And then you have to be really careful about catching everything. Oh. <laughs> this is also... I'm, I'm okay with the breathing. This is... A, thank you. This is... A, I'm so honored. This is also the podcast of putting a lot of pressure on interns who just are That's not great. prepared for it at Look, all. That's the real world. Mm-hmm. Once you're out there, you're working Welcome. the job. Pressure's going to come put in on unexpected your big, ways. Put on your big boy pants. Yeah, or big girl pants. There we go. No. You know, big I think human we, I, pants. I, I think people. Human sh- pants. I think all people can wear big boy pants. I don't think it should be segregated. I like I like a non-gendered <laughs> pant. You know. <laughs> One pant. Yeah. One There's pant no for all people. It, it is yeah. just straight up and down. Yep. No hips. No hips. No buttocks. Really starchy. Yeah. yeah. It's like, it's Jinkos. Do you know what Jinkos are? I have no idea what yeah. Jinkos are. I don't know what Jinkos yeah. are. You, My age is showing. No. What the Hardys, like the big oh, flary pants. Yeah. What the Hardy boys wear. Hardys That's wear topical. like toned down versions of Jinkos. That's topical. Yeah. Because the Hardy boys came back at WrestleMania they this sure past did. Sunday. And that's our wrestling talk for and this that's episode. that's our wrestling talk for this episode. Uh, but we've got a whole bunch of comics to talk about this week print issues digital issues collections single issues all the all the things um today today and this week ton of news has already hit we're going to talk about that more but marvel heroes coming mm-hmm, to xbox mm-hmm. one and playstation 4 so excited uh, i can finally play marvel heroes new warriors featuring squirrel girl coming to freeform it's gonna be fun, uh, fun. i feel like there's even more we mm-hmm. announced i will i'll be speaking later in the show to jordan d white about the new deadpool limited series deadpool kills the marvel universe again <laughs> That's right. That's what it's called. Reunites the Deadpool Kills the Marvel Universe team of uh, Cullen Bunn, Dalibor Talajik, and company. And they're going to kill the Marvel Universe again. The first series was great. It was great. It was a, it's one of the perennial bestsellers. I love the kills or beats up the Marvel Universe franchise. Of course. Punisher. Yep. Squirrel Girl beats up. Yeah, I think. Did Wolverine kill Wolverine kills. Point? Deadpool kills. Yep. I mean, they're just a good time. This is classic stuff. Yeah. And we're lucky to be on the ground floor. Right here at Marvel, where <laughs> yeah. we work. That was good. That yep. was good. Nailed it. Yeah, nailed it really hard. Uh, all right, so 
we've got all that to get to, but first we've got comics. We're going to talk about three picks each, as well as we've got uh, a couple of new issues, uh, a couple of uh, big launches that we want to talk about. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm going to dive in first. Do I've it, got man. all new Wolverine number 19. New costume. Yeah. Uh, cover by Adam Kubert. Yep. New logo. Yep. All sorts of new stuff as the uh, X-Men resurrection continues. New art squad. So written yep. by Tom Taylor. Uh, pencils by Leonard Kirk. Inks by Corey Hampshire. And colors by Michael Garland. Uh, so Ben mentioned new costume. You better believe it. And the best part is like, it's cool. It's like the the costume looks cool. It's sort of a riff on a bit of her looks before. Um, it's got that like X Force type look. color scheme for X-Force sure. X Force color scheme. Um, but first, when you open it up, she's also still hanging out with Gabby. They're on missions. Gabby doing... has a costume now. Gabby has a costume. And it's it's a great. Dope costume. Yeah, it's cool. But Wolverine's costume, you know, you can see it's got interesting textures it's almost like looks like a jacket it looks yeah. stylish it looks like something she'd wear um to fashion week perhaps totally uh and then it, you get oh, to there's an issue i want to see <laughs> wolverine goes to fashion week oh my gosh right yes. right can we get tim gunn to guest right oh it? my god tim gunn tom taylor i love tim gunn. taylor gunn yeah Taylor and Gunn, yeah. back together again for the, for the first time. For the very first time. <laughs> anyway, we get to a big uh, splash page here, and Wolverine and Gabby are shot like crazy. It's kind of a yeah, jarring it's, scene. It's a wild splash page. Yeah, because uh, they're, they're basically trying to be sneaky and uh, trying to... Um, they're on a boat, and you're, you don't know exactly why they're on the boat, but they're trying to be sneaky and trying they're to get to something. Boat. Remember that song? I love that song. Good song. Um, but there's a comet coming to Earth, and it gets really bright, and it blows up their spot. It illuminates them. So then they get shot up. Uh, we get a guest appearance by Riri Williams in here, but we find out that Wolverine and Gabby, they've been shot. Um, and then they go to town. Gabby's got her cool, crazy, weird uh, bone claw. Um, the comet that comes down, you find out, was not just a comet. It is a... Uh, there's there's someone, an entity... Or something. Inside. No, it's someone. Yeah. Inside the comet, it's... Uh, it actually, like, the, the story really blossoms out of that. La- lands on Roosevelt Island, which is this little island right off Manhattan, mm-hmm. um, which is a little island, so yeah. it's it's an interesting piece. It's where it lands the Statue down. of Liberty is. <laughs> nope, not at all. Cool. And uh, we get to see that the the comet is actually making people sick. It's there's something going on here, yep. and they need Wolverine to go in to fix to to figure it out. And but it's not good because the tourists at the Statue of Liberty all get sick. Come on, hey, will also, you will you stop? Statue of Liberty was destroyed according oh, right. to Rocket Raccoon. Sorry, so hasn't been rebuilt yet. Nope. Um, but we find out that the costumes that they have, not just being cool looking, they're actually bulletproof. Um, so the new suits, they're bulletproof. Gabby's so really that excited. Page where they got shot up? Yeah. They were okay, even though they would have been fine because they have healing, healing factors. factors. Uh, but it was great. There's just, like, it's a cool idea. She doesn't need to feel pain. Right. She's she's past that part of, like, the, the pain being part of who she is. I want to say it's an old Larry Hama issue of Wolverine that I'm thinking of, mm-hmm. but someone, and I want to say Cyclops, basically, or Jean Grey, says to him, you have a healing factor, you don't have a pain suppression factor. Mm. And just, like, notes that, like, all the times he gets beat up and stabbed and shot, like, he's feeling all that. Oh, yeah. So, of course, you would want a costume. And remember, that was, like, the kind of costume Wolverine was wearing right before he died, when, yep. his, uh, when his powers weren't working. He was wearing that 
that crazy armor. Yeah. And I think, you know, it's the... <clears throat> The pain would send Wolverine into like a berserker rage, mm -hmm. and I think it, there's so many reasons why I think this makes sense and it's really cool. Uh, and I just love Gabby and Wolverine talking about all this stuff. But all that going on it sets up Wolverine and her new, you know, the way she's looking, what she's dealing with, the, the mission that she's going on here, and she's dealing with something for Shield, and it's it's gonna be nasty. Wah wah! Let's go to Iron Fist number two. Written by Ed Brisson. You get that? That was my oh, martial, my martial arts martial segue. Arts Got it. Uh, written by Ed Brisson. Art by Mikey Perkins. Colors by Andy Troy. Uh, we pick up in media res, as it were, with uh, Iron Fist, Danny Rand, in a shallow waters fight with this nasty looking dude who seems to have control over water and he launches the mother grizzly strike which is a punch right to the side of Danny's face that's how we start things out man this book is basically tailored to like teenage me who was watching Enter the Dragon and was super into Kung Fu and stuff like that Danny's been brought to this island after he's found out that he's losing his chi he's been trying to get it back by just fighting bums all over the world but this council is invited him to the island. They want him to undergo the trial of the seven masters where he basically fights seven hand-picked champions from these seven uh, council members. So it's it's got all the traipsings of classic it's 1970s martial art movie. Uh, Danny meets a couple of the masters and then he fights the six. Six well, of the well, masters. She meets, uh, he no, meets he meets six. The representative, six representatives. Six the masters themselves are who he has to fight. Right, but the seventh representative the wolf is also the champion if we has to fight it's like i'm not just a client i'm also the president right. it's like size sperling fighting you in a death match exactly um but the eel is very cool he uses water to his advantage he does all these things with danny but danny fights back he gets all scrappy i love just the fight coordination mike perkins is the perfect artist for this he just gets so into the facial expressions and the torques of the body and all this stuff and danny does defeat this guy and realizes he can take some of his chi back so that's not incorrect then we get a little interaction with the wolf and the representative from the eel clan and we get a kind of a tease of what the wolf's all about and he seems like one bad mother yeah I, you, you talk about enter the dragon this also makes me think of video games yes like mega man right yeah. like mega man he uh -huh. has to go he has to beat cuts man in order to get cuts man's power or, right or guts is it guts man or cuts there's both they're both right cuts man and cut man both exist in different games yeah but he has to go yeah that's right Angelic. yeah Video they games. They're real. Um, but he has to go. Cutman Cut Man has the scissors on his head. Right. Cut Man is just really big. Uh, that makes sense. Yeah. Uh, but he has to get the powers from one in order to defeat the next. Level up and defeat. And that just, it's, I love it. Yeah, it's, great. it's great. It's it's wonderful stuff. I mean, it's it's also yeah. It, there's like a Mortal Kombat vibe to it yes. as well. The whole tournament on an island where yep. you don't know anything. But there's so many secrets going on with this council. And then Danny starts bonding with his guide, who tells him the story of the next master he has to fight, who's the Rat representative. And it's basically oh so gross. So gross. He basically said there's this village on the island that no one like has been plagued by by plagues um, and disease. And everyone who's ever gone into this village has died except for this one guy who went in, trained a survivor, this kid who had survived all the plagues, to be his his master and to be his – the representative trains him to be the master. He, he taught the boy kung fu. And so now you've got this guy who uses kung fu, 
rats and like plagues and vermin as his weapon. So and Danny gross. steps into the village and the I like that the the guide basically says like I'll be waiting for you on the other side. If you don't come out, I'll assume you died like everyone else did. So it's just like every time Danny fights one badass guy like he fought the eel in this issue we know that there's an even more badass guy lurking around the corner. That's that's where you get your sort of video game yeah. analogy from, where you just have, like, you keep leveling up and leveling up and leveling up, and it's just so cool. Yeah. It's very, very cool. All right, on to Captain America, Steve Rogers. Big issue. Number 15. There's a note, an editorial note. Yeah. It says, warning, read this issue after Uncanny Avengers number 22. Um, you know what I did? What did you do? I did that. Oh. I was on the train. I was sitting down. I was getting ready to read my Captain America on the train for freaking five hours this week because of stupid trains getting diverted to Hoboken. But we're not, we don't have to talk about that. Um, so I'm getting ready to read my Captain America. Oh, says read on Candy Avengers first. I go ahead and read on Candy Avengers first. Yeah. As well, you should as well. Um, quickly talk about, we'll, we'll get to on Candy Avengers a little bit more, but it has a big uh, status change mm-hmm. for the Red Skull. Yes. Um, he had Xavier's brain. Maybe by the end of Uncanny Avengers, he won't. Quite a tease. Right? Master of the tease. Think about that. Uh, But this does sum up the action that happens in Uncanny Avengers, and it dives right in as Cap um, goes to Red Skull. Red Skull is recuperating from his ordeal. He's in his chateau. Mm -hmm. You know? Chateau de Red Skull. A little Chateau de Red Skull, and Cap's there to talk about them. We've got the current day stuff interspersed with 1945 Germany. Um, you know the, the the old story uh, always flashing back where we get really the the vibe of the the red coloring so good uh, gotta say of course written by Nick Spencer art by Javier Pina and Andres Guinaldo with uh, colors by Rochelle Rosenberg um, we get to see in the forties Cap fighting um, Hydragoons and going to talk to Red Skull and it's it's a lot of back and forth between the two of them. Um, because Cap is sort of diverting some of his his uh, loyalties, mm-hmm. really. He's been talked to by various people, and there's a shift where Red Skull is going one way, Cap and some of the core Hydra think that it should go the other way. Um, there's this interesting rift that happens back then, and Cap, it seems like Cap has held on to that Forever, Yeah, Cap, uh, known for not letting grudges go, <laughs> no matter how many decades they last. Also, Red Skull, kind of like, oh, yeah, evil. this is his path. Oh, very I'm, evil. He's a jerk. He's hateful. This is what he does. Uh, so we've got inter- really interesting conversation and stuff between them back in the day. But we go into the present time. Um, Hydra's making crazy inroads on uh, Sokovia. They've pretty much taken over. Um, we get this message from Red Skull being like, hey... I'm now the head of this country. Yeah. We've got nuclear weapons. I like, you guys. I like, by the way, how Sokovia has become like the in fictional country in the Marvel Universe yeah. since it debuted in the movies. Um, we, like we don't we don't see Genosha or Madripoor or Begali anymore. We just see Sokovia. Yeah. It's all about Sokovia. Yeah. Totally. Um, Sokovia, Sokovia, Sokovia. Sokovia. But here we've got Red Skull with Sin, his daughter, mm-hmm. and she takes a little powder for a bit to have to let Cap and Red Skull talk, and 
there's an escalation in their discussion. And I was actually su- uh, caught by surprise yeah. on the events that transpired here. As was I. Um, Cap is basically saying to Red Skull, look, guy, uh, you want one thing for Hydra? And I don't agree with that. Nope. So I'm going to beat you up and then throw you out a window. Yeah. That's what happens there. And so this is a huge turning point for Hydra and the leadership where Cap's place is in the in the hierarchy of things. The Hydra-archy of things? The Hydra-archy. Yes. Uh, and if you've oh, been reading... God, we need to do a... That should be the guidebook for Secret Empire. Ooh, Secret Ooh, Empire. That's a good info. Just an infographic. You've got Cap at the, to the yep. Hydra-archy. Oh, Boom. Gonna make it. Write it down. Gonna make it. Don't really write it down. No, write it down. Yeah, We're write gonna it do down. it. Write it down. Um, so we've got the... Uh, we get to see some of the characters who've shown up in the last couple of issues. Madam Hydra. Why is there a question mark next to it? <laughs> we get to see the characters show up, and it's you. This really feels like Cap's. Everything's coming together yep. for Cap, which makes sense because Secret Empire starts in like, like a week. days, yeah. minutes, minutes, could seconds. Be, could be starting right now. Yeah, um, but. We get before the issue ends. It flashes back to the past, and I think it's a really interesting thing. Is it seems like Nick is wrapping up this part of the story before we get into Secret Empire and showing like the divergent timeline that has been caused by uh, Kobik. That instead of what had happened before, we now get a super weapon being brought into play in the past, which could really alter reality. Uh, see what I did there? Yeah, I see what you did there. That was, okay. I think you leaned in a little too heavy on that one. Alter but, reality. Oh, uh, who am I to judge? You you do you. Um, we got Nova number five. Let's talk for a second how awesome the Nova logo is. It's pretty cool. It's like the old Nova logo, but like done via electric guitar or something. <laughs> like it looks like a heavy metal band logo, you know? Yep. It's very cool. And of course, I love heavy metal, so I love this Nova. <laughs> Yes. I don't love heavy metal. I was about to say. I, I'm not, sorry. Let, I'm let's not, say. I will not be a poser. I love <laughs> a, a specific brand of metal that is not heavy. Mostly uh, hair. Mostly hair. Um, <laughs> Nova is written by Jeff Loveness and Ramon Perez. Ramon Perez does the art. Ian Herring does the color art. If you've been following, you know that something is up. Rich Rider is back. Something's up. Something from the Cancerverse has followed him back. It keeps showing up in the most inopportunate times. He's teaming up with Sam Alexander, who doesn't know what's going on. And as a result of being close to Rich, the Cancerverse monster now attacks Sam, but worse, it attacks Sam's family. It kidnaps his sister. Uh, Sam's mom and grandma get to be awesome. And then Sam gets to have a great hero moment of going and grabbing his uh, Nova helmet and flying to the rescue. Uh, Then, like, the page just gave me goosebumps. Um, Granted, that's because this is a book tailored specifically for me and that only I can enjoy. Um, (laughs) But uh, it's... uh, the little sister Kaylin goes, Mommy, Sam needs help. And Sam goes, No, stay back. I've got some. And then Rich Rider shows up <laughs> He's like, looking yeah. heroic as F. Um, so then they start fighting this monster who, Ramon Perez, does a great job designing this horrible looking cancer creature. Um, and he. Cancerverse creature. Cancerverse creature, yeah. Uh, cancerverse monster. And. Rich starts to kind of transform with it, and Sam starts getting the sense of there's not there's there's stuff Rich isn't telling him. Rich is finally kind of laid bare and said like, "Look, I thought I could come home. I thought I could be okay, but this is not okay." And then when, and 
then Sam gets mad at him, you know, punches him in the face a few times. It's really emotional. Yeah. Um, it's highly just terrible. And then Rich just coming up with these great lines like, I thought maybe I earned it, but that's not how it works. I didn't earn anything. I cheated. So he said, I thought I could escape the cancer verse, but it followed me back. It's a heartbreaker, this, this issue. This one is uh, heavy heavy with the emotions so rich basically explains to sam like look if you're a nova what you do is you step up when no one else is ready to step up and it's my turn now and he just goes i'm sorry he goes sorry it took me so long flies into the heart of the cancerverse monster sacrificing his life presumably again uh we don't know and then he essentially eats it with his whole body yeah and then encountering an old friend in the heart of the monster and i was like totally took me by surprise yeah but yeah man just the hard-hitting emotions of this issue uh the heroism of rich rider and sam alexander i think they're just like one in one a as far as the just the most noble heroes in the Marvel Universe to me right now. And they just, they nailed it. Jeff Loveness, Ramon Perez are clicking like butter. Yeah, that, that is a rock-solid team mm-hmm. right there. That book was so good. I'm glad you took it because that would have been one of my picks. Yes. Um, damn, that Real was good. good. Real yeah, good. Really good. Also really good, Hawkeye number five out this week. Uh, while the cover says Leonardo Romero is on art, it is not. It is our boy Michael Walsh, uh, written by Kelly Thompson uh, and colors by Jordi Belair. You know we love Michael Walsh. Love Michael Fan Walsh. Fan-friggin-tastic. Fan-favorite Michael Walsh. So I was so delighted to see him on here. I love Leonardo Romero, but Michael picks this up, runs with it, crushes it. Uh, and this is a big... Destroys everything. Just annihilates just, just it. Just lays waste just the entire landscape. Hugs it and just pets it to sleep. Just squeezes it till it just burns. Just kisses it on the neck. burns. And just loves it so much. Yeah. So, um, so tenderly. So we've got uh, Jessica Jones showing up in this issue. And the cover is like... The cover is very cheeky. It looks like um, like uh, Kate is annoyed at Jessica, but the issue is all about how much uh, Kate looks up to Jessica yeah. Jones. And the cool thing is it leans into like an almost minor plot point from the original Young Avengers series where Jessica Jones was kind of a mentor to the team when they were trying to figure out what was going on. She, you don't even remember it. I don't. I really she don't was remember that. Like, we're talking like original like Alan Heinberg, Jim, Jim Chung, uh, Young Avengers, when Captain America and everyone was something like, you guys got to shut down. You can't be Young Avengers. Jessica Jones was the one who came and told them like, no, you guys can be heroes. I'll show you how. So she played a major role in the development of Kate Bishop and all the Young Avengers. Yeah. Well, and it picks up on that perfectly. Uh, Kate calls Jessica her mentor, or one of her mentors, and we've got throughout the issue uh jessica's leading the investigation there there there's uh a case that jessica picked up back east there's a woman who's missing and it has led jessica to la because there's a a suspect whose name is brad he's a jerk uh he is the one that's there and so now they're in la she's teaming up with kate and it's jessica brad was a henchman of kate's father previously Yes. So there's connections. All the connections. Uh, But we get to see tons of tips. Jessica Jones tips for being a good private eye. Uh, You get to see Kate learning for, like, just... It's great, because you watch the progress of her picking up little things that Jessica is, is just 
laying out there. They're working together. It's a teaching, a bunch of teaching moments, but also really funny, really quirky. It shows ways that Jessica's figured out how to get around people, around rules. Uh, there's an awesome scene where Kate gets to show off that she's friggin' Hawkeye and she shoots Hawkeye. some crap like crazy. Um, but things take a, weird, a really interesting and weird twist. Uh, there's a really funny moment where they've been staking out uh, inside this big Hollywood house. They've been inside this house in a closet for a while. There's a really funny mo- uh, joke that she says uh, that relates to America Chavez about oh, yeah, being yeah, yeah. in the closet, uh, about Kate being in the closet. Really great stuff, but they're just doing all their private investigating. There's a giant monster, yep. which is... A dragon. Yeah, dragon, weird monster, and of course, Jessica Jones floating upside down in a pool. Yep. So Perfect shot. It has everything you could have hoped for. It is funny. It is action-packed. There's heart. It's. I can't tell you enough how much I love this book. I think you just did. I could tell you more. Oh, all right. It's really good. Well, before you do, let's go to uh, Spider-Man number 15, which has one of those classic cover blurbs we don't use enough anymore. It says, in this issue, Rio Morales discovers the truth, and things will never be the same. Dun, dun, dun. Oh, love it. Written by Brian Michael Bendis. Art this issue by Simon Kudronsky. Colors by Justin Ponzor. We've got Miles Morales and his dad, Jefferson uh, Morales? Or does he go... Yeah, I guess. Jeff- is it, Isn't it Davis? I think it's Jefferson Davis. Jefferson Davis. So where does the Morales come from? So Jefferson Davis, for some reason, Miles takes his mom's last name of Rio Morales. We'll put our best guys on that. Top guys. Top guys. Put our top guys on that. Uh, I love this conversation with Miles and Jefferson, who it's kind of cool. We get this stuff now that he knows Miles' secret identity. They're having some burgers and some fries, chilling out. After I loved this scene. Yeah, this is just, just a, a great, great scene. Like, slice of life, dad and son talking yep. scene. Yep. And after all the interdimensional craziness with all the doppelgangers, Spider-Gwen and everything, I like when uh, Miles or Jefferson calls Miles a walking hormone. <laughs> That's pretty great. He says, you think everyone is hot? Um, I mean, Miles is what, 17 or something? He, he like says this? it 16 here or 17. He says it in here at some point. I think he says he's 17. Uh, but they talk. Miles foils a robbery. Um, they talk about like whether it was cathartic or not for Miles to get to punch someone who looked like his dad in the face. Just a great three or four pages of conversation by Bendis that really yeah. makes you endeared towards these characters so much. Then they get home. Miles tries sneaking in. Jefferson comes through the front door. And the mother or wife, Rio, is there. And basically she's found the formula that Miles had written down for web fluid. And she wants to know... What's going on? She also found a special phone that she doesn't know how to use because the technology is so fancy. She wants to know what's going on. And Jefferson comes clean, says, I'm back with S.H.I.E.L.D. Like, because she knew he was with S.H.I.E.L.D. previously. I'm with S.H.I.E.L.D. Why are you with S.H.I.E.L.D.? To keep an eye on our son. Why do they need to keep an eye on our son? Boom. I'm Spider-Man. Miles Morales a Spider-Man. It was like yeah. one is like a Spider-Man or one of the he's, Spider-Man. He's so it's like such a big beat moment where he just goes, "I'm Spider-Man." Yeah, you're right. And then he immediately undermines it by going, "Well, 
one of them, has a conversation with his mom, who basically, she is now in the process of the two people who matter most to her in the world have not only lied to her about two separate things, but they've worked together to keep their secrets from her. So this is just powerful emotional stuff. And they're also going out and risking, risking their, their lives, lives in incredibly dangerous yep. ways. They could not come home and she would have no idea why. Both of them at yeah. the same time. It's it, it's, it's another heartbreaking, really like yep. intense emotional scene. We get a little capper after that with uh, Miles back at Brooklyn Visions Academy, hanging with Gonky, hanging with Fabio. Uh, they're dealing with the this girl who has a video channel and she has one of the YouTube ish yeah, type she's channels. A, she's a fan of Spider Man, and uh, Gonky is looking more into her. Um, yeah, he is. <laughs> Jefferson text Miles and basically says like text me if you hear from her I'll do the same so the mom is missing we get a tease of a villain who's going to be coming after Miles and Jefferson potentially uh, Jefferson gets cut off from S.H.I.E.L.D. kind of unceremoniously well I, I thought that it just made a perfect amount of sense too yeah. it's basically like he was working with Maria Hill Maria, Maria Hill's out of S.H.I.E.L.D. Yep. we don't need you anymore we don't this has nothing to do with you we're yep. done and then the last page is Gonky just introducing himself to this girl and the girl smiling at him, which I love. Yeah. What a perfect end to the lights. All this stuff is going on, like secret identities and wrenching heartache and all this. And that's just Gonky going, hey. And the girl just like looking back and looking cute. It's great. Yeah. It's great stuff. Spider-Man, check it out. Yeah. All right, so uh, we have two were, huge launches this week. Yeah, we yeah, figured we, those were important. We want to we talk about them. Uh, X Men Gold yeah. is mine, and it's written by Mark Guggenheim with art by um, Ardian Siaf, uh, inks by Jay Lyston, colors by Frank Martin. This, I will tell you, mm -hmm. is a. I, I loved it because it took a very important moment from the what was X Men? What was the Prime? Yeah, X Men Prime. I haven't read it yet because I was on vacation oh. when X Men Prime came out. X Men Prime had like puts them puts the new uh, the Xavier School the the building in Central Park. Okay, and I was like, hey, how are they just gonna roll up into Central Park? I had the same thought when I space? saw it. Yeah, I was like, this actually like touches on that, which I think is great because it's a big question mark for me because I live in New York City yeah. and I like if a building just took over a whole part of Central Park, I'd be like. Hey, what's going on? How Ryan's that pointing. Happen? You guys can't see that, but he's pointing. I was pointing directly at Central he's Park. Pointing at Central Park. Yep. Um, so I, I'm very. I know it's a weird little thing, but I'm very excited by that. You have the X Men, this classic, classic-ish team now. Yeah. Uh, we've got Kitty Pride leading. We've got Old Man Logan. We've got Storm back in a classic costume. We've got Colossus, Nightcrawler, and Rachel Gray in her new role, her new code name, Prestige. 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 Yeah. Well, pre not Prestige. Like Prestige. Prestige. You like you want a nice prestige. You want to put that on the top of your pizza pie. Oh, yeah. Give me a little bit of that prestige. Yeah. Um, so we've got them fighting with Terax, which is super fun. It's crazy. Yeah. It's great. Um, and, you know, it's like building leveling type fight, which makes a lot of sense because Terax is a tool and very powerful. <laughs> Terax the tool, I believe, is his yes. name. Yeah. Terax the tool man teller. Yeah. Uh, he was star of Home Improvement from <laughs> in the 90s. Uh, we've got, like, a softball game in here. Are you all right? I'm good. Okay. Big um, home improvement fan. Yeah. Huge. Yeah. Huge. Uh, Jonathan Taylor Thomas. Yeah. Huge Jonathan Heart Taylor, Taylor Thomas fan. For for a period. Yeah. Do you know the, mm -hmm. the neighbor's name? Nope. 
Oh, come on. Oh, it's oh, really man. easy. Clyde. Oh. It's not Clyde. It's not Clyde at no, all. Clyde. No, Wilson. Wilson. Wilson the neighbor. And anyway, back to X-Men. Um, we've got them. There's this underlying new thing of hatred against mutants. Who knew that people hate and fear the X-Men? Still do. Still do. After all this time. Uh, maybe my favorite thing about this is Mark writing in Kitty's voice. Yeah. And, like, he his Kitty it. is great. Yep. Uh, she's now taking over, like... Just all the Professor Xing of the school, dealing with the paperwork, dealing with running things, uh, and having to deal with the relationships that come with that, including hanging out and essentially living in the same place as her ex boyfriend. You know, what my favorite line of the entire issue though is What's that? it's when she's talking to like saying Professor X, I'm doing this for you, and then she just goes, "I survived the experience." Yeah. that was yeah. the best. That is a classic X Men line. Totally, Nail- uh, Guggenheim nailed it. Uh, and then we, by the end of the issue, we get introduced to a new brotherhood of evil mutants uh also really you can cool. read all of that on marvel.com right now Ooh. synergy uh just i like seeing Ardin's uh art it's really cool so good it reminds me of classic like x-men art yeah just, you know it's supposed to oh thanks bud yeah. uh but it's great and in here if you need a recap of what the x-men have been going through over the last couple decades yeah it's right here <laughs> last couple forever there's a giant like here's a quick timeline of everything you could want to know that you need to of know. all the characters who yeah. show up in this book and it's great yeah. it's it's a really solid starting point and i think if you're um jones and for you know classic style x-men this is your jam yeah and speaking of jams let's jam on over to royals number one the other side of the coin as far as the resurrection books out this week it's written by al ewing Beautiful, crazy art by John Boy Myers. Uh, colors by Ryan Kinnaird. We start with a pterodactyl flying through the air 5,000 years from now. Just, I love that Why sentence. not, you know? So good. Someone riding a pterodactyl. The thing, you don't, under, you don't notice it at first, but the pterodactyl and the, the entity riding it are huge. Yeah, they're gigantic. They're massive. Way yeah. bigger than uh, like a human such as you or me yeah. or Angelica would be. Yes, much bigger. Way bigger than Angelica, who is a smaller than normal human. I'm not a smaller than normal human. Oh, sorry. She is a normal sized human. A normal sized human. Exactly. Uh, so, <laughs> so, here, so here in the future, we've got this black Baltic-y looking guy. Is that right? Black Baltic-y looking guy? Yeah, I'll He's take it. He's in the future. He's got a scythe. Um, it's he, like upside the the blade ish yeah, thing is upside nasty. down though. I don't know what it is. There's but it's nails cool. in it, but basically he's talking about a prophecy. Once upon a time, we were Inhumans, and that flashes back to the Inhumans through the years, what they've gone through, and what they're going through now. The aftermath of the war with the X Men. Uh, this new Inhuman wakes up, comes out of her cocoon. She's a giant monster. So Medusa and Gorgon go and take care of it. Uh, Iso's psyched about them doing a good job. Medusa's like, eh, I feel like we should be doing more. And then all the Inhuman Royals, they gather back at New Adelan. Marvel Boy is there, and he basically says, look, there's a huge secret out in space. You guys will want to know about it. It's all about the Inhumans. Come with me. I've got a cockroach brain. I've Let's do co- this. I've got a cockroach brain. Listen to me. So Medusa, Gorgon, Crystal, Black Bolt, Flint, and Swain decide to go with him. Uh, meanwhile, Iso stays behind. Uh, Karnak stays behind with her. And uh, 
we see what everyone's up to. We see that Marvel Boy is up to something with his version of the Supreme Intelligence. Swain says goodbye to her girlfriend who has no feelings. Um, that's interesting. But the, yeah, they're, they're, you were. She says something to Swain. It was just like you were interesting. Or yeah, something like that. You inter- you're quite interesting to yeah. me. It's the nicest thing she can say. Yeah. Uh, Flint has a little showdown with ISO. Crystal Crystal says goodbye to her daughter because she's a terrible mother. Um, Gorgon. <laughs> Uh, it says goodbye to his son, who he's a better father than Crystal is a mother. Uh, Black Bolt and Medusa have a like tense standoff, and then they get in a spaceship and they head off into space. And it seems like this is just going to be big, crazy prophecies and wild stuff. And Medusa has a huge secret, and Al just seems to get the Inhumans right off the bat. Just has a great synergy with them immediately. Yes. Uh, one of those things, I don't know if it's an Al thing, but there's always, at the end of Al's books, like the additional reading, things you can check out. There's a list of those books. If you're curious, if you pick up Royals number one and you want some other stuff, things that you can look to or write in the comic, uh, highly suggest you check out Marvel Boy. Yep. Um, all of it, but Marvel, oh, Marvel Boy. Boy is so good. Yes. That's a future Twim URC. It was a past Twim That URC. was a past Twim URC. Yep, we did that a long time I ago. knew it the minute I said it, too. Yep. All right. Great. All right, on Quick to hits. the rest of the books this week. We've got America, number two, written by Gabby Rivera, art by Joe Canonis with Ming Doyle, Joe Rivera, and Ming Doyle, Jose Villarubia. Uh, this is um, uh, America in the past in this sort of, I don't know what timeline it is. If yeah, it's, it's kind of weird. Yeah. Like sliding timeline. Yeah, we've got Peggy Carter, who knows what's up, and she's hanging out with America, and there's punching, and there's all kinds of cool stuff, but America is also pining for her girlfriend, who she just broke up with. There's all kinds of stuff going on at Sotomayor University. Uh, Moon Girl and Devil Dinosaur show up for a talk. I One of the things that I loved about, most loved about this, Devil Dinosaur taking a nap. That, but also Gabby's like v- voice for Moon Girl was really so good. cool. I just Spot loved it. On. It, was, it was really great. Love seeing Moon Girl pop up more places. Yeah, there's dancing and fighting and just excitement. And if that wasn't another t- enough time travel for you, let me turn your attention to Avengers number six, written by Mark Wade, art by Mike Del Mundo, color art by Mike Del Mundo with Marco D'Alfonso. Three teams of Avengers: the modern day Avengers, the founding Avengers, and the Roger Stern team. Without Dr. Druid, which is just a shame. It is ridiculous. Well, you know what the thing is, though? Here's the thing. If Dr. Druid was in this book, he would solve the problem like so that. quickly. Yeah. So it would be boring. It wouldn't be very exciting. True. they got to suspend some disbelief here. Vision, talking to future Vision, learning some interesting stuff, teasing some interesting stuff about his origins. And then we've got the Avengers scattered across time, trying to use bombs to take out things that are valuable to Kang, Spider-Man and Hulk in ancient Egypt, uh, Captain America helping them out with his shield, Hercules helping them out as well. Although Hercules causes a giant flood and the Hulk says, could have warned me, leather pants, which is a great insult. Yep. Uh, on planet Sacnia, we've got uh, Giant Man, Wasp, the Thors, Captain Marvel, Monica Rambo. They're up to craziness. Um, Yolner plays a big part here. Then in North America, circa 4000 AD. This is a I lot, I thought this man. was a quick hit. Ugh, it's, it's impossible to be a quick hit. There's Kangs everywhere. I'm only halfway through the book. Anyway, suffice to say, the Kangs do some time travel craziness. Uh, these bombs come into play. Uh, the Avengers get wiped out. The Avengers come back. One particular Avenger figures out how to out-clever Kang. And then there's a new status quo for Kang. I think it was a great way to sort of reset Kang. Yeah. You know? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's such a, like, 
an ins- just insurmountable type character. Mm-hmm. But Mark and Mike just sort of take it, wrap it all up in a ball. Here's the basics. And yeah. make it like a nice pizza. There you go. Yes. All right, on to Bullseye number three, uh, written by Ed Brisson, uh, art by Guillermo Sana and Miroslav Mirva. Um Bullseye kills a lot of people in this. Mm. He bites one dude's finger off and then takes the finger and spits it in another dude's eye to beat the other guy. That's what he does. Uh, he just tricks a bunch of people. He uses a uh, a ring to uh, get himself out of a uh, scenario. He's just... I, Ed takes Bullseye and turns him into just this really scary but... Uh, skillful character. It's really totally. interesting what he does with him. Um, it's also like kind of funny at times. It's a great book. It was really nearly one of my picks. Um, very quirky. And by the end of it, it took a... I thought interesting you just turn. said I'm very quirky, but you were saying it's very I sure quirky. am. Yeah. Yeah. Proud of it. Yep. Oh. Hey. Champions number seven coming at you. Mark Wade on the writing. Umberto Ramos on the art. Victor Alazaba on the inks. And Edgar Delgado on the colors. Uh, the champions have been framed for beating up two homeless people by the freelancers, which means it's time for a champions freelancer showdown. We had a great fight with the champions and the freelancers. We had a cool twist with Vision and his uh, daughter, Viv. And uh, it looks like Vision is going to be kind of a recurring character in this book, which I think is I great. So. That's great. He's great. Uh, we get to see the freelancers showing off their powers, trying to impress people. The champions get a little bit of a cleaner win this time, I would say. When they clashed with the freelancers during uh, Monsters Unleashed, I feel like they didn't really get away with anything. Um, but they do get a solid win over the freelancers here. Unfortunately, that win quickly reverses when uh, the freelancers revealed that the champion's brand is basically, its I mean, is it public domain? It's it's like it's not, uh, it's not even so much that it's public domain that champions put themselves out there and didn't claim their trademarks and copyrights. Yeah, it's a really interesting, like modern take, right? Yeah, like for so sure. The this you have this intellectual property and you, you put it out there and superheroes don't even think about that. Yeah, but someone can go and take it and monetize it. And they have no real le- they may not, not have any legal recourse mm-hmm. to fight it. Yeah. It's fast. Should be interesting to see what happens with that. Yes. Uh, I make it sound boring. It's actually pretty great. Yeah. Really clever. No, you made it sound super boring. I know. Uh, all right. No, you're fine. Jessica Jones, number seven, uh, written by Brian Michael Bendis, art by Michael Gatos and Matt Hollingsworth. Um, it, this opens up with Maria Hill being chased. Uh, there's a, a price out on her head. Yeah. People are going to kill Maria Hill. Oh, boy. Uh, she's obviously... If it's sp- a Bendis book this week, you're going to get some Maria Hill. And I'm all for it. Mm-hmm. Um, she is smarter than them, but still, she's got a problem that she's dealing with. Jessica Jones is in here. She start, She stops a dude from being a jerk to his woman, but Jessica also meets up with Danny Rand. Oh, this was the best. Yes, the it's Iron two pages Fest. and it's the best. Yes. Uh, really great bit of business between Jessica and Danny and Iron Fist. Uh, and finally, we get the the meeting of Jessica and Luke Cage coming back together after all the stuff that's gone on the last Oof. couple of issues. Really heavy stuff. Um, and it's great. There's some really sweet moments, but it's it's not all settled. It's not all over and done. Um, and Jessica, she's having a hard time dealing with it, but trouble comes to her doorstep right at the end. 
Marvel Universe Ultimate Spider-Man versus The Sinister Six, number nine, adapting the hit animated series, Marvel Universe Ultimate Spider-Man. Uh, this particular one is entitled Force of Nature. It's written by Gavin Hignite, directed by Roy Bardeen, and adapted for uh, comics by Joe Caramagno. Yeah. All right, we've got the um, Marvel's Spider-Man Homecoming Prelude number two. That's a mouthful. Yes. Uh, based on Captain America Civil War screenplay by Christopher Marcus and Stephen McFeely. Written by Will Corona Pilgrim. Art by Todd Knock. Colors Vero Gandini and J. David Ramos. Um, as I mentioned, this covers the events of Captain America Civil War, particularly the um, from the big fight in Germany. Uh, so you get Todd's awesome art, mm. you know, just going through the fight and through the events of it, mostly focused like ninety eight percent focused around Spider Man. But you get to see Todd draw giant, you know, Ooh. giant man and all kinds of cool stuff. There's the underoos moment; it's really fun, and then um, gets you set up for what's to come in Homecoming. Slapstick number five, written by Riley Brown and Fred Van Lente. Storyboards by Riley Brown. Art by Diego Olortegui, and uh, colors by. Jim Campbell. You, of course, can read this as an infinite comic, or you can read it here in print. We go back to Dimension Ech, where uh, Slapstick at one point came for his origin. He's got his armor buddies with him, uh, one of whom he has the hots for, and whom he thinks has the hots for him. Not so. Most of this issue revolves around the fact that no one in Dimension Ech has reproductive organs, and they all want to get them back. Uh, in something that Slapstick did in the past yeah. cause that? Yeah, no, who wouldn't? Who wouldn't? There's this uh, queen, queen princess, who is ostensibly <laughs> the ruler and has provided a new way to make babies. We don't really know what that is, but uh, for it. I have thoughts. Yeah, I know. There, there are things here. Okay. Um, Gorgonzola, this evil wizard, has captured Deadpool's buddy Mike, and so he's holding him prisoner. So Slapstick, I say Deadpool. Deadpool's not in this book. Nope. Um, Slapstick and all his crew go and fight Gorgonzola. They manage to take him down. There's a chair bot. Uh, this book is so bonkers. I love it. It's so weird. I it's, love uh, it. The Chairbot is basically a Transformer who talks like a gangster rapper. As, so, as he would. As one would. Uh, Slapstick makes some, some uh, good moves, more than usual, but he finds out that someone who he thought was an ally may actually be the worst enemy of all. Dun, dun, dun. Yes. All right, we've got Spider-Man Deadpool number 16, written by Joshua Corrin, art by Scott Koblish, and Nick Filardi. I just love Scott. Yeah, He's Scott amazing. Koblish is the best. Spent like half an hour talking about how great Scott was with Jerry Duggan at dinner Aww, one night. That's nice. Just because he's great. Yeah. Anyway, um, we get here at uh, Spider-Man, Deadpool, and the last Van Helsing. Uh, they are on What? That's great. Yeah. Well, she she is. It was good. It was dramatic. Yeah. Uh, they're going to Strong. find. Yeah, they're going to find Dracula because they want Dracula to take uh, charge of all the vampires and maybe yeah. the monsters. Take some responsibility for once in his undead life. Yeah. And fight against uh, fight against Shikla and the monster metropolis that is rising up in New York City. Uh, we get an interlude where the mercs for money are fighting amongst themselves because uh, Gorilla Man has kind of been possessed by Shikla's mm -hmm. monster powers. But the, the meat of this issue is all about 
uh, inside Dracula's lair mm. and what has happened to Dracula in the last I don't know couple of months and it is fantastic sad, sad stuff it's hilarious I love it uh, it's a great take on Dracula uh, and we'll see what happens if they get to head back to New York City Star Wars number 30 written by Jason Aaron art by Salvador La Roca and colors by Edgar Delgado this can Includes the whole Yoda's secret war story where Yoga had ha- Yoda Yoga um, Yoda yogurt from yogurts. Uh, Yoda had happened on a planet with these living rocks that contain the Force. I love the story. Whole, it's so cool. Yeah, he had this whole weird war with these face painted weirdos, and he freed <laughs> some kids, and uh, he did all this stuff. And it was it was very cool. But Luke in the modern day is dealing with the kid who Yoda left behind. Who at one point. Yoda called this guy master. He's yeah. just like, you can teach me what I need to know about this planet. And uh, Luke comes and uh, basically this guy says like, oh, is Yoda your is Yoda your master? Because I'm his master, boy. And they have a l- little fight with all these crystals. Luke brings out the lightsaber. Some great action. Well drawn by Salvador La Roca. Uh, Luke making big strides on his way to becoming a Jedi and becoming a hero. And Yoda still has more to tell him. And there's a cool shot of modern day Yoda. Yeah. To end the issue. In Dagobah. Yeah. Yes. All right. Uh, you want more Star Wars? You get more Star you Wars. You get it. So this is um, the Rogue One, a Star Wars story adaptation. Uh, it's the first issue. It's uh, written by Jody Hauser, art by Emilio Lysso and Oscar Bazaldua. Bazaldua, uh, colors by Rochelle Rosenberg. Now it's based on the screenplay for Rogue One by Chris Weitz and Tony Gilroy, which is based on a story by John Knoll and Gary Whitta. I say all that because this is not just your straight up regular adaptation. No. This actually takes pieces from the screenplay uh, that didn't make it into the final movie and expands on scenes, adds new content to Rogue One, which is fantastic. There's actually the, the last page of this is a little note from Gareth Edwards, director of Rogue One, talking about what Jody and the team have done here uh, because it really does. It adds to it. It adds bits and pieces, scenes, um, you know, all around this. There's probably like five or six different pieces in here, um, maybe, maybe less. I don't know. It, there's a couple things that if you have seen Rogue One and you love Rogue One, this is definitely additive to it. It is not a simple adaptation. I highly suggest it if you love the stars and the wars. What's wrong with you? It's not me. She's, no- she's noting to me that I'm breathing too heavily. Ah. Oh, I was making... The chair was making sounds. Oh. Your chair is just like creaking up a storm. Creak, creak. Oops. You're fine. You're, You're fine. Good. Don't worry about it. Uh, but this is really great. I... Definitely say check it out if you like Star Wars and you love Rogue One. Finally, we wrap things up with Uncanny Avengers number 22, written by Jerry Duggan, art by Pepe Larraz, colors by David Curiel, uh, The Avengers, Wait. Unity Squad. Yes. The the title. The title of the issue. <laughs> oh, Rogue One. W-O-N. Right. So this is our second Rogue One tie-in of the week. I get Rogue it. Rogue One. Yeah. So the Avengers Unity Squad has defeated the Red Skull. They get into a little skirmish with jerk number one, Captain America Steve Rogers, who wants to take the Skull's body. Uh, they manage to get Xavier's brain away from Steve Rogers and then dispose of it in kind of a tragic manner. But then the highlight of the whole thing is 
is the Rogue and Deadpool stuff. I mean, there's lots of great stuff going on with this party that the Unity Squad's having, with Wasp being all snooty. And Dr. Voodoo kind of knows how to get down. Dr. Um, Voodoo is yeah. the man. He's the man He's in great. this. He's really fun. Uh, but Rogue flies away after Deadpool. And basically, uh, some stuff that's been hinted at throughout this series comes into full-blown bone zone-tastic. This is how we do it. Alright, with Deadpool and Rogue, what an unexpected pairing. Yeah. But, uh, it, it works out great for Deadpool. Uh, all his tortured memories and messed up skin condition gets transferred to Rogue. He gets to be nice and handsome. Um, but then there's a little complication as there was someone else living in Rogue's brain and they get in the middle of things a little bit. Yeah. And if you've been reading Uncanny Avengers for a long time, you can probably guess who that is. Yeah, this sort of jarred them loose. Yep. Yeah. But Good remember, stuff. you should totally read that before you read Captain America yes. Steve Rogers this week. Don't read Steve Rogers without reading Uncanny Avengers, folks. I mean, there's a little, there's a quick synopsis in Steve Rogers. No, but no. Don't read Steve Rogers before you read Uncanny Avengers. <laughs> Just don't do it. Angelica? Don't do it. Thank you. Gotcha. Collections on sale this week. We've got Captain America Epic Collection Volume 13, Justice is Served. Color Your Own Guardians of the Galaxy. Daredevil by Ed Brubaker and Michael Lark, Omnibus Volume 1. Guardians of the Galaxy, Collect Them All, Prose Novel. Guardians of the Galaxy, Road to Annihilation Volume 2. Guidebook to the Marvel Cinematic Universe Volume 1, Hardcover. Marvel's Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2, Prelude. Mighty Avengers by Brian Michael Bendis, The Complete Collection. Star Wars Box Set Slipcase Hardcover. No idea what that is. Sounds awesome. It's a slipcase hardcover box set. Oh, there you go. Uh, Star Wars Special Edition, A New Hope in Hardcover. War of Kings Prelude, Road to War of Kings Omnibus Hardcover. And finally, X-Men Legacy Legion Omnibus. That is, if you have never read Legion, that that, um, X-Men Legacy series, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm is incredible it's really good just one of our favorites the last few years seriously drop the money for it or read it all on marvel unlimited or whatever the case may be you gonna love it all right so um the books that um are on sale this week digital we have the issue six of slapstick infinite comic um as well as on the app we have marvel knights four issues 25 through 30 nick fury's howling commandos one through six from 2005 sentinel one through 12 from 2003 that was a fun story yeah good stuff uh and century one through eight from 2005 Digital collections on sale this week. We've got Captain America Epic Collection Justice is Served, Guardians of the Galaxy Road to Annihilation Volume 2, Marvel Cinematic Universe Guidebook The Avengers Initiative, Marvel's Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2 Prelude, Mighty Avengers by Brian Michael Bendis, The Complete Collection, Mm -hmm. Star Wars Special Edition A New Hope, Daughters of the Dragon Samurai Bullets, District X Volume 2 Underground, Iron Man Hypervelocity. Marvel Team Up, Volume 3, League of Losers, and Wolverine, The Best There Is, Contagion. Remember that book? Remember yeah. how gross it was? Oh, it was so gross. I loved so it. So gross. Freshly digitized comics on Marvel Unlimited, we've got Captain America Sam Wilson, number 13, Captain America Steve Rogers, number 5, Captain Marvel, number 9, Civil War II Kingpin, number 3, Civil War II Ulysses, Infinite Comic, number 6, Deadpool, number 19, Deadpool Annual number one, featuring uh, Spider-Man and his amazing friends. Oh my Doctor gosh. Strange so Annual good. number one, Drax number eleven, Extraordinary X-Men number fourteen, 
Guidebook to the Marvel Cinematic Universe, Marvel's Avengers Age of Ultron, number one, Moon Girl and Devil Dinosaur, number 11, Miss Marvel, number 11, Do Avengers, number 16, Nighthawk, number 5, Nova, number 11, Rocket Raccoon and Groot, number 10, Spider-Gwen, number 12, Spider-Man Deadpool, number 9, Spider-Woman, number 11, Star Wars, number 23, Strike, Strike, File, dun, dun, dun. It's perfection. If that's come, if that's here, yeah. surely, surely we'll, we'll get the rest executioner of- <laughs> song is well on the way. If we can include Stripe Strike File, uh, Thunderbolts number five, Totally Awesome Hulk number ten, Ultimates number eleven, Unbeatable Squirrel Girl number twelve, Uncanny Origins fourteen, classic issue featuring Iron Fist, Uncanny X Men Annuals number seventeen and eighteen from the original ninety two volume, then Uncanny X Men Annuals from nineteen ninety five, nineteen ninety nine, and two thousand and one, Venus number one from nineteen forty eight, Web Warriors number eleven, What If Spider Man House of M number one, What If World War Hulk number one, X Force Annual from nineteen ninety two number one, X Man number thirty, X Men nineteen ninety one issue one half as well as issues 80 through 84 x-men annuals from the 1970 volume number four through six and and, an x-men annual number two from 1991 x-men annuals from 1995 and 1999 and x-men 92 number seven which one of these has the executioner remember that that what was that that book was really good. He had a cool weapon. Yeah. He had a great costume. Yeah, he's in one of these. He's in one of them. Uh, that I was think, really good. I think it might be... It's either X-Men or Uncanny. I think it is Uncanny X-Men Annual number... 17? 17. Yeah. That sounds right. Yeah. And that X-Force Annual, is that the one? Shattershot. 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 Oh, yeah. That's the tasty juice. Yeah, the Shattershot. You can't get away from the Shattershot. That was a Cajun voice. <laughs> sure. Sure. Let's say yes. Let's say yes. All right. That's, uh, that does it. We got through all the comics this week. Yep. Um, we are going to have lots of cool stuff this episode still to come. We've got the West Coast. They're going to be talking some games, some movies, some TV. Uh, I got an interview with Jeremy Whitley, writer of Unstoppable Wasp. And then another interview with Jordan White, who's the editor of Deadpool. And then we're going to go to the Twim URC uh, Punisher Noir with Mark and Christine, and they'll be announcing our Twim URC. Yes, which is great. Which is great. We're having a great time. Just having fun. Hope Enjoy- you guys are digging the show with all this extra content. Was, there's so much. There's so much. How do we do it? I don't know. Who knows? Who cares? All right. Enjoy <laughs> the rest of the show. It's the West Coast, show me and the Wolfman. It's the West Coast, show me and the Wolfman. It's the West Coast, show me and the Wolfman. It's the West Coast, show me and the Wolfman. It's the West Coast, show me and the Wolfman. It's the West Coast, baby. Hello, this week in Marvelite. This is Marvel.com editor Mark Strom, joined by assistant editor Christine Den. Und wie Astramstein und today we are joined by the duo Beckettim Beckettim if you could please introduce yourselves Guten Tag Strom Stromstein I, this is Tim Hernandez director of game productions for Marvel Games Howdy uh, this is Becca, your operations manager for Marvel Games. 
Great, so you guys are here to talk to us about Marvel games. I'm not keeping that voice up the entire time this time, <laughs> much to everyone's disappointment, oh, I'm darn. sure. I'm sure, but what, what, all right, which, which item do you guys want to kick off first with for Marvel games? I think we've got to kick off with the big announcement we mm-hmm. made this week. Marvel Heroes Omega is coming to console. Whatever happened to, but shouldn't there have been like a Mar- Marvel Heroes Alpha first? No, yeah. man, we just go straight, yeah, we, straight to the And then yes. Beta, and then we work backwards. What, what's the C, like Seda? <laughs> I think you should stick to German. Okay. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Maybe I should stick to try, not trying to make jokes. So what is all right? What is Marvel Heroes Omega? Marvel Heroes Omega is a game inspired by the long-running Marvel Heroes 2016. Actually, it launches Marvel Heroes, mm-hmm. uh, then it was rebranded Marvel Heroes 2016 a few years ago. It is well before that though. Yeah. It was Marvel Heroes 2015. Don't forget. Was it technically? Yeah. Wait, wasn't there Marvel yeah, Heroes no, 2015? Right. Okay. I'm right. See, I'm right. It's so long running that it predates it predates our, our time on the Marvel Games team. So it's been a, a massive hit. Millions of players. Uh, a wide range of deep, deep roster characters from, from throughout the Marvel Universe. And players have been asking for years, when are you going to bring it to console? So happy to announce that it's finally made its way to PS4 and Xbox One. Or it's coming soon. We've obviously planning for sometime this year. Right. Um, were, were, were we supposed to ask a question of them, Christine? Well, yeah, we want to ask. Uh, so the big thing is that I know all the characters are free until level 10. Did you guys have tips for any of us on how we choose our first player? Yeah, so I'll jump on that one. Um, and also call out, because this is really cool, I think, that there's a closed beta for both platforms mm-hmm. that's been confirmed. So keep your eyes peeled for more updates on that. But as far as playing your favorite hero... Um, I would just say go with what you like. You know, you can wield Cap Shield. You can do some ranged DPS as Widow. I like how Angela looks. Ghost Rider looks rad. I I heard that uh, Thor has some really nice AOE. Oh, good job. Moves. Yeah. He does. He does. If you ever wanted to see the damage of wielding, I can't say it, so I'll just say Mew Mew. Um, (laughs) Mjolnir? Yes. You do very good with Scandinavian, though. I have a lot of Scandinavian in me. Yeah, like, look, if you want to you see Thunder coming down with Thor, you can totally play as Thor, do some awesome range and uh, AoE attacks. It's, it's a lot of fun. Yeah, try out everybody. I mean, it has you know, Guardians, it has Avengers, it has X-Men. I'm going to probably start with Doctor Strange and pick him as my, yeah. my one. Yeah, and Daredevil's rad, too. Yeah. Especially when you, you, you get to play in the Hell's Kitchen area and you're, like, walking around as Matt Murdock. It's rad. <laughs> um... All right, anything. I'm just looking over our bullet points for the first time. I love how you guys looked over the bullet points beforehand, like you were preparing, and I was just like, "Yeah, sure, let's just go in and record this." And now <laughs> as we're recording, I'm like, "What the hell are we talking?" Oh yeah, okay. Yeah, there's a lot of different place modes for people to ju- jump in on, like Midtown Patrol and the Danger Room. Oh, the Danger Room's a lot of fun, by the way. Um, anyone who's who's a fan of X Men and the Danger Room in general are going to get a kick out of it. What the Marvel Heroes team does really well is they pay homage to the comics and all the Marvelite fans and everyone who has ever loved anything about Marvel, you'll find something for you in this game. For the record, though, it is pronounced Danger Room! <laughs> I'm sorry, Mr. Q. <laughs> yeah, so it's, you know, you can My play, favorite place you... is in the Danger Room! <laughs> 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 
it's turning red. You guys can't see it. Uh, Marvel Puzzle Quest. Marvel Puzzle Quest. Let's move on to Marvel Puzzle Quest. What we got going on there? We got Cloak and Dagger Woo! finally coming to the game. They are awesome. Wow. One of my favorite like, characters. Wow. It, it, it's almost like there's a TV show of them. Or something. Yeah, that we're I heard on. something about that. Some freeforming TV shows free, coming yeah, free together. Forming, it free forms. Yes. It forms freely. Yeah. <laughs> uh, t- tell, t- tell us about tell us about Cloak and Dagger. What makes them unique in this game? They're very unique. They are a dual character. So both characters are releasing as one cover. We've done that in the past with characters like Rocket and Groot. But what's really interesting about Cloak and Dagger is they both have their own skill sets. So you could actually swap on the fly between characters. Uh, and while you have active moves for the character in the foreground, the characters in the back have passive moves going on. So they're really deep in terms of strategy and depending on how you're, what, what team you're playing against, what type of uh, strategy you want to take into a given, a given match or tournament. So we're really looking forward to them hitting, hitting the game. Do they have any good uh, AOE attacks? <laughs> <laughs> Actually. They do. Yeah. <laughs> now that you mention it. What about what about DPI? I hear they got some <coughs> DPS. D- DPS. 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 I hear they got some good DP, DPS. I think uh, I think yep. is going to do some damage, but uh, you know, probably not as, as as much as some of the other heavy hitting characters. But these guys have a ton of technique and removing tiles from the board, and, and as I said, passive. It's going to affect a lot of uh, the opponent teams in pretty cool ways. Um, I want to point out to everyone uh, that I got finally got PS4 two weeks ago, so I am trying to learn <laughs> what to the these <laughs> games of videos are. <laughs> these video games, which clearly the industry just swiped that term from Lana Del Rey before she could copyright Impressive it. Storytelling Tra- platform, trademark it. You know, yeah. Lana Del Rey is owed a lot of money from you guys. and i've successfully derailed this podcast again uh tim you said you also wanted to touch on spider-man unlimited yes they had their big 20th update this week lots of new spiders dropped we have uh black tarantula spider lizard dormammu versus spider-man so as always that team goes really really deep with spider-man i think they're at this point becca will will Correct me if I'm wrong, with a game that just launched the most Spider-Man variations of any game we have in our game. Yeah, and they are always surprising us with more. Yeah, they find Spider-Man. They the find Spider-Man I was not even aware of. Wait, wait, wait. Dormammu versus Spider-Man? Yeah. Is that a real thing from the comics? Yeah. It is. It is. Huh. Well, you finally stumped Strom. Yes. Well done. I, per- I, don't, I don't know. I think the only person that these guys couldn't outstump is Dan Slott. Uh, Dan Slott plays the game. He, he, does. he loves the game. Uh, he's he's surprised. He's actually written us saying, "How did you guys find I that? <laughs> <laughs> Where is this from? <laughs> where the hell? Where were you? He's probably like, where were these guys when I was writing Spider Verse? I really could have used them back then." <laughs> um, great. All right. Is that everything you guys had to touch on for games this week? Yeah, yeah it's been yeah, a busy yeah, week yeah, though. Busy. Yeah. Well, yeah, you know, just a few things here. Every day, you know. (laughs) Of course, next week. Well, no, not next week. When? When will we get to talk to you? In two weeks, we'll get to talk to you, Tim, about Guardians Telltale. That's right. I'm looking forward to that. Yeah, April 18th. I'm looking forward to that. It's gonna be awesome. Uh, I'm really looking forward to that. Um, It's gonna be rad. Rad. That's right. (laughs) It's gonna be rocket. Ting awesome. Rocketing awesome. Groot. Yeah. Yeah. Star Lord. 
Drax, Gamora. <laughs> Just saying words now. Thanos. All right. All right. Well, we'll Thank let you, you guys, guys go. Thank you guys for joining us. Uh, and uh, we'll be back in just a quick tick with some more uh, movies, TV, Tomiyoshi, all sorts of other crap that we are paid to talk about. Thanks, guys. Thank, Thank you. you. Hey, everyone. We're back. Uh, well, I mean. We didn't leave. We didn't leave, as far as you're concerned. But we're back. We It's just Christine and I now. <laughs> Sitting sad and alone in the corner. No one loves us. That went depressing real quick. <laughs> um, we've got, of course, movies and TV news. Movies, we are less than a month out from Garnt. We're four weeks out. Mm-hmm. Four weeks from today, uh, you will be able to see Garnt of the Galaxy in your local cinemaplex. Yeah, do you guys get tickets yet? They are on sale. If you haven't yet... Shame on you. We want jobs. Go buy tickets. Please, let's keep our jobs. Also, Go buy tickets. Also, I'm pretty sure all those opening weekend ones are pretty scarce by now. They, they probably are. But good news is, is the way these things work, uh, theaters do add times as we mm-hmm. get closer and closer. So if you're looking at your like local Arclight Hollywood and you're like, oh, no, it's all gone. <laughs> there may be more coming up. Who oh, knows? Oh, yeah. They add like two every hour <laughs> so keep uh keep your eyes out uh and of course get tickets now for opening weekend it's gonna be big it's gonna be fun it's going to be awesome uh we had christine talk to us about the two new tv spots we had this week uh super charming of course a lot of baby Groot action new music it's just pretty much getting you guys pumped that we are now yeah a month away and I don't even know how this, how we're almost close to May now. We just got to April, but we're not working on May. And um, yeah, all those, uh, the spots, just, I just love watching Baby Groot popcorn in his seat where the seatbelt just crushes him. Mm, poor Baby Groot. <laughs> uh, over in the magical world of television, we had an all new Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. this week. It's we're a back. big week for TV. Yeah, it is a big week. We're back. We had a. Uh, we are in the framework. Our mm-hmm. heroes are in the framework. It's a super messed up world. Hydra has taken over. Coulson is a teacher spouting yeah. Hydra rhetoric. Uh, uh, May is Hydra's top agent. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Ada had removed all their biggest regrets. So we can see Which now. at first you're like, yay, so they're living happy. And then you like look at the world and you're like, oh no. Yeah. I was like, Kenai those. has cheeseburger. <laughs> yeah, y'all may have to learn like what life will now be like if, you know, the events of uh, Bahrain. We're Bahrain. Different. Yep, we're different. And uh, we are, rather, I spoke with the writer of this week's episode, mm-hmm. DJ Doyle. Um, about it, about how the teams are crafted, uh, the framework and the storyline that we're getting into this third arc of the fourth season. We've got some big, exciting stuff coming up. Of course, all new episode this upcoming Tuesday at 10, 9 central on ABC. Uh, what, ooh, Christine even provided us with a nice... Ni- you may do these notes every week. <laughs> this is nifty. Uh, normally, I just come to you. This is very different from when Patrick and I used to do it. And Patrick and I would come in with like some scratch paper and some notes. And Christine's like, here are bullet points. 
Uh, is this summary from like an official summary? Uh, it's a condensed down version of right. an official summary. Next week, Daisy and Simmons struggle to escape the framework when a new resistance is revealed. Yes, we do get to yeah. see... Uh, uh, who's in charge. Yeah, and... who's in charge and, and sort of... You know, we, we saw a lot... We spent a lot of time with, uh, with Hydra in mm-hmm. this last episode. But we did find out that Ward is part of the resistance. He is part of the resistance. It's true to his nature. He is still a traitor. Mm-hmm. Um, except this time... He's a good guy masquerading as a bad guy. So we get to see more of uh, his cohorts in the Resistance. Uh, it's leading up to some really cool stuff. I'm very excited for the next few episodes. But, uh, yeah, this past week, <clears throat> the episode's Bananas. I am really loving the Madam Hydra look. Oh, yes, yeah. yes. Mallory's uh, green, like, hair extension yep. stuff and everything. Because, you know, like, I'm a Slytherin, so we just now... Formed my colors from Slytherin into Hydra, which is the other team I root for. So it's, I have no yeah. idea what you're talking about. Just the color green, the accents of green, and how I think in the next episode we'll see a lot more of Hydra and their outfits. Is Slytherin like some obscure Marvel thing that I've never heard of somehow? It's Harry Potter. <laughs> is it, I, I'm, I'm confused. <laughs> I'm uh, just combining my two my two teams. Well, that's a little disturbing that <laughs> one of your teams is a, uh, well, okay. Well, you um, should be concerned because I root for uh, the Empire, for Slytherin, for, well, I vote Slytherin, but also uh, the Death Eaters, and Hydra. Great. I recommend <laughs> therapy. Um <laughs> So, uh, what was I going to say? New episode. Also this week, we announced the release date for Marvel's Defenders. It is coming August 18th, which is about a little more than four months away from right now. I Um, hope you all saw the elevator footage. Yes, uh, with some Easter eggs in it. If you uh, look closely, there's some stuff up in the upper left-hand corner. The timestamp. That leads you something. And there's a timestamp that gives away the date. And there's a familiar voice in that's overheard um, as uh, in the elevator. Uh, so, yes, very exciting. Uh, very, very looking, much looking forward to that. Of course, all episodes only on Netflix August 18th. And to get you ready up into August, you should just do a marathon of both seasons of Daredevil, Jessica Jones, Luke Cage, Iron Fist, because all those get tied in. Yes. Yes, they do. Um, And what else? We have a new show. We announced a new series coming to Freeform, our first live action uh, comedic series from Marvel Television. Marvel's New Warriors, it'll star Squirrel Girl. Um, that's sort of all we're saying about right mm-hmm. now. It's coming in free form. Um, we just know that there'll be six young people yes. with powers. Six young people with powers. Fan favorite Squirrel Girl is the leader. Um, that's really all we can say about, about the series at this point in time. Um, other than, oh yes, it was... Uh, picked up for 10 episodes. Picked up for 10 episodes, straight to series, 10 30-minute episodes. Uh, like I said, coming in free form, 2018. That's, there will be more information about that show coming out uh, as we sort of gear up for it. But right now, you can just know that it's coming. Star Squirrel Girl. It's going to be pretty great. Yeah. Uh, 
And Christine, what's going on in the world of Marvel's Jessica Jones season two? We just announced a new casting alert. Uh, uh, an undisclosed character will be played by Golden Globe winner Janet McTeer from Tumbleweeds, Me Without You. And um, all I can tell you guys is that she is someone who will have an enormous impact in Jessica's life. Yes, she is a very, she's playing a very significant role. Um, but that's all we can say. Yep. Because we like mystery. <laughs> and we're a ways out, but you you know how Jessica Jones goes. All these players they're really intense and they really affect jessica yes um so oh and lastly well, for I tv say that's all for live action tv yes. but in the wonderful world of animation we're back with a new episode this weekend for marvel's guardians of the galaxy we talked about it last week when i chatted with the animation team uh so you know the saturday disney xd and we'll have someone from animation back with us next week where we have a uh, a five-story arc airing all back-to-back the following Saturday. So, you know, cool things are happening for the world of Marvel's Guardians of the Galaxy Season 2. Exciting. And as a special treat for you guys, before we switch over to MRC, I have a script for an upcoming episode of one of our TV shows here on my lap. I am going to read some of it to you. Interior. <laughs> blank. 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 Blank, morning, blank, 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 lies, blank, 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 arm, blank, 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 lightly. There you got You heard it first. You heard it here exclusively on this week. But don't tell anyone because, you know, Marvel security will usher us out of here. Um, <laughs> all right. Uh, I have no idea where I went off on that tangent. Uh, <laughs> stay tuned. Christine and I will be back in just a minute with some Twim mm-hmm. URC. And now, from Marvel Headquarters, it's This Week in Marvel News. All right, folks. Welcome back to the news portion of This Week in Marvel. I've got Dancing Jordan D. White yeah. sitting across the table from me. Is the D for dancing? It is today. Yeah, baby. How are you doing, Jordan? I'm doing great. How about yourself? Good, man. It's good to have you back on the show. Like I said, this is the news portion. And big oh. in the news this week is Deadpool kills the Marvel Universe again. What? You did the original Deadpool kills the Marvel Universe uh, story. Can you, before we get into the new book, can you talk a little bit about, like, that was such a widely well-received popular still sells well just a great story how did that how did that come to be well uh that came to be uh i mean it's it's actually it's kind of surprising that it came to be Mm -hmm. because um i mean people have noticed we don't do as many miniseries as we used to but for some reason uh we call them limited series. I'm sorry, limited series. That's yeah, mini series would be books that are very yeah. small. Very yeah, small. when I when I first started here, that was one of the, like style guide things they taught me. It's like when we're doing articles on the site, we talk about uh, series that are not ongoing. They have to be limited series, not mini series. Fun fact: 
I want now. I want to do a mini series of books that are smaller than regular comics. Yeah, that that would be great. Um, What the way I'll do it is, it'll do a Deadpool book, and it'll be normal size, but we'll just leave lots of blank space and put dotted line and say cut here. It's going to be people chop up their comics. It's going to be so easy to make. (laughs) Perfect. It's happening. Okay, so sorry. (laughs) This wasn't a mini series. It was a limited series. Um, But uh, they asked me to to work on it. It was one of the first uh, Deadpool books I worked on, Mm -hmm. and. I think Axel had the idea to bring Cullen in to, to write it. Axel Alonzo. Axel Alonzo, Marvel editor-in-chief. Editor yes. Yeah. Uh, who had been editing Deadpool before I right. came onto it. Um, he, I'm sure, was very sad to leave him behind. But, yeah. he, but he said... He, Do you he, know Russ? Yeah, I know. He was, he was, he was like, you're going to disgrace this. I know, but <laughs> I have better things to do now. Uh. Um, <laughs> so, so he suggested I work with Cullen, who I had not worked with before. Mm-hmm. But I had been a fan of a, a miniseries he did called, nope, a limited series at a different publisher. Called, oh, if it's a different publisher, you can call it whatever you it's want. It's a miniseries. Yeah. It was called uh, The Damned, which was a oh, very yeah. good one. Yeah. Uh, so I was very excited to work with him. And uh, as soon as we started talking about it, we, 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 the thing I said to him was, I think we, what we want this to be is to take everything that's fun about Deadpool, everything that's cute and and humorous, and let's take each of those things and make them creepy and bad. Yes, uh, and you did. And we did, and <laughs> I think it was terrific. Uh, it turned out so well, it was very well received, uh, sold great, uh, the trade continues to sell mm-hmm. for, for, for years, it's been, what is it, four years? It's something been like out, that, something yeah. like that that it's been out. And it continues to be the top-selling Deadpool trade. People wow. absolutely adore it. I, I, I should use this opportunity to mention, we actually did two sequels to it already. Yeah, that's true. It was, Deadpool a, trilo- Illustrated, it was a trilogy. A trilogy. Yeah. Deadpool Illustrated, and then Deadpool Kills Deadpool, which featured this the last part featuring the in-continuity Marvel Universe Deadpool right. fighting this murderous Deadpool yeah. who we nicknamed Dreadpool for Dreadpool. the purposes. Yep. Alright, so you've already done two sequels. Yep. You've got dozens of other Deadpool limited series under your belt. Mm-hmm. What makes you go back to the well with this one? What is the appeal of doing Deadpool Kills Marvel Universe again? Well, uh... We just thought, what would Deadpool do? And 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 he said, I would do what makes money. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, uh, because we because we loved that series, and we don't want to we don't want it to end. I mean, we've we've toyed with other ways to continue that saga uh, mm-hmm. before now. I mean, one ridiculous thing at one point we were talking about spinning off the the version of Sherlock Holmes from Killustrated into a thing like is there a way to make him like a, a smart Deadpool or but um, what we ended up doing was just to hey you know what you just put the word again on there and then you can do a whole Whatever new story you want. exactly yeah. and so we got the band back together we talked to Colin we talked to the artist of the original series Dalibor Talajic is He's back, back. Um, and they've been they've been working away on this in secret for some time yes. now actually so uh, a lot of this series is already written, and a oh, lot wow. of it is already drawn as well. Oh. Uh, yeah, it's it's coming along very nicely. Very nice, very nice. So, what is this book about, as opposed to just being a continuation of the last thing? What what can we look for that's new and different and fun and exciting? Well, the I mean, uh, you know, the, there's a big spoiler in the title, uh, <laughs> <laughs> so that's going to happen again. Yeah, but. All of the the whys and wherefores are completely different. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, in a, I, I, I mean, I don't want to speak too much for Colin. No, no, please but, don't. But uh, 
I mean, that's a pretty strange thing to do, to go to a writer and say, we want to do this, the same thing you already did, but imagine it completely differently. Right. Because <laughs> um, on some level, you'd think he'd be like, well, I already did it. But yeah. no, he was absolutely up for it. He's like, that's I, our I got lots of ideas. Yeah, yeah. exactly. He, he, he came up with a whole new approach. Um, in addition, like I said, because it's been years, the Marvel Universe itself is different now. There are right. new characters. Well, that's characters. what I was going to ask. There's been new characters yep. introduced over the last few years, so are we going to get to see them die horribly? Some of them. All right. Some of them. We're not, not, I'm not going to promise everyone. Although, technically, listen, if you don't see them die horribly, they do. They do. Just off, off panel, panel somewhere. Yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> but yeah, yeah. Yeah, like people have different, there's different teams, there's different heroes with different names. Like, yeah, it gives us a whole new playground and a whole new, uh, yeah, a, a whole new batch of, of, of mayhem to wreak. Well, I'm very excited. Jordan, when is uh, when is Deadpool Kills Marvel Universe coming out? I believe this summer? Yes, definitely this summer. I think it is July. It's, this is, it's always the hardest question for you guys to answer because you live in these ongoing yeah. schedules so yeah. much. But yes, we'll say, uh, we'll say July and we look forward to it. Yeah, the, the cover has already been released. It's, mm-hmm. uh, Dave Johnson did the cover. It's, it's great. Deadpool making a paper... Uh, paper dolls of Marvel heroes and then chopping mm. all their heads off. So cute. So cute. <laughs> Adorable. Actually, before I let you go, Jordan, please. There is such a volume of Deadpool limited series that mm. you guys have been impressively able to almost consist- pretty consistently, while the main book's been coming out, you've always had a limited series accompanying it. Mm-hmm. How do you come up with all these ideas? Because, I mean, we've had everything from the Deadpool Kill series to just recently had Deadpool crossing over with Howard the Duck. Yep. It's literally everything. Where do your ideas come from? Oh, man. Well, uh, th- those those do come from basically all sides of the process. Mm-hmm. Uh, some of them will come from. So, some of them have been my idea, uh, going like, hey, "Why don't we do a book like this?" Like uh, Night of the Living Deadpool was oh, mine. Yeah. I, yeah. I was like, "Yeah, we'll just put Deadpool in a black and white zombie movie, <laughs> uh, and it'll be fun." And yeah, that worked out great. Sometimes, uh, sometimes we will. It will come to us from. From uh, above, going, hey, what about uh, Deadpool versus this character? Because mm-hmm. that's going to be like relevant to other comics. And we were like, yeah, of course, we can make something really fun out of that. Mm-hmm. Other times, the writer will come to me and say, here's what I want to do. Is there any room for that? And I'll be like, yeah, of course there is, because we, like you said, we do a pretty good number of them. Yeah, so, we do. We do. Uh, yeah, different ones come from different places. Uh, you know, yeah, yeah. Good answer. Final thoughts on Deadpool kills the Marvel Universe again. It's going to be terrific. I don't know what we're going to call it when he kills everything a third time. We'll have to come up with something. Once again? Once again? Yet again? For the third time? Uh, (laughs) Jordan D. White, the D is for delightful. Thank you for stopping by. My pleasure. And now welcome to This Week in Marvel, our very special guest. Okay, guys, got a special treat for you. I've got on the line Jeremy Whitley, writer of Unstoppable Lost. Jeremy, how are you doing today? I'm doing great, Ben. How are you? I'm excellent, man. It's great to talk to you. You basically reached out over Twitter and said, anytime we wanted to have you on the podcast, you'd come on. And I said, how about right now, essentially? <laughs> yeah, I really appreciate it. Uh, you guys had some good things to say about Wasp, so I thought I'd uh, repay the favor and you know come on and talk to you guys yeah, about man. it. Yeah, man. We love Wasp. It's one of our favorite books. I know Ryan feels the same way. Uh, it's just it's such a breath of fresh air to read that book. It's so fun. Um, before we get into Wasp and some other stuff, I want to talk about you. You're fairly new to Marvel. I think Wasp is your 
first ongoing gig, correct? Yeah, absolutely. I, my first uh, my first gig at all with Marvel was about two years ago. I did a uh, short story in uh, Secret Wars, Secret Love about uh, Misty Knight and Danny Rand. Yep. And, uh, yeah, I've done a couple of, uh, you know, shorts and, and one shots since then. But, yeah, Wasp is my, my first ongoing book. So let's talk about breaking into Marvel because everyone's always asking us about that. How did you get your start both in comics and how did you get into Marvel? And then how did that translate eventually into Wasp? Uh, well, I started out doing um, self-publishing stuff. I, I worked with uh, a few local friends of mine here in North Carolina um, on some, some books. And uh, eventually I, I wrote a – I started writing series called Princess, uh, which is uh, an all-ages creator-owned series about a princess who decides to save herself and team up with her dragon instead of uh, you know waiting around to be saved. Um, and I've been you know I've been working on that for a few years. We got nominated for a couple of awards, and uh, I, I basically I basically sent around copies of that to, to some of the Marvel editors that uh, I made contact with online. And uh, eventually, I got an email back from uh, Tom Brevoort that was uh, telling me, you know, look, I, I don't think I have anything for you right now, but I'm going to keep your stuff on file because I have, you know, assistant editors that are always looking for stuff. And uh, I feel like it wasn't wasn't too much uh, later that I, I got a, an email about uh, you know, Secret Wars, and that they were looking for somebody to, to write some, you know, short romance stories in, in that series. Does it, was that something that appealed to you, getting to write in the romance genre as your first Marvel work? Yeah, you know, it seemed like uh, seemed like an odd first job, just because <laughs> uh, there's there's not too many romance comics out there. Um, so I was, you know, a little worried that, uh, you know, with, with writing all ages stuff there's there's a perception by some uh, some editors and comics folks that like oh it's good but you know how does this relate to what we do right um yeah, and i was a little worried about that with uh, with romance stuff as well but uh, yeah. you know i i love marvel universe and i love you know those those characters in particular so i was like well if i'm gonna get a chance to write one story let me go sort of all in on this you know misty and danny story right. and uh i i think uh that worked out, it seems like. So, yeah, absolutely. So, how did Wasp come into the picture? How did you get uh, brought into the title, and uh, what made you say yes to it? Um, so, I uh, I kept hassling Brevort um, and then you know, some of the other editors about uh, getting in on some stuff. Um, you know, I, I did a uh, short for um, Will Moss for Civil War II, uh, Choosing Sides, number two. Mm-hmm. And then um, I ended up doing um, a Hawkeye story for uh, a year in Marvel's. Uh, we did like a Halloween story, um, and that was uh, under Tom again, which you know my my first one had been under Tom as a senior editor, um, and uh, you know I had been sort of hassling him about uh, getting more stuff, and he uh, you know told me at one point he, he thought he had something that I'd be uh, I'd be a good candidate for, and um, and he told me basically what they were looking for was to do a series with the law. They didn't know a whole lot about what they wanted it to be, um, but that you know he'd like me to to kind of pitch my idea for what I'd like to see, and uh, what I what I pitched to him is is. Very very, very much what uh, that first arc of the story has been with, you know, Nadia putting together uh, the girl labs and, uh, you know, touching on the uh, immigration stuff and the red room stuff and, and everything else that's in there. How did you come up with the girl concept? Because I think that's one of the most unique things about Wasp. And it's such, again, I, I said breath of fresh air before. I don't want to overuse that. But it's just, it's such a cool concept just gathering these really smart female characters together and kind of giving them a rally cry. And uh, it's, it's just very cool. Where'd you come up with it? Um, you know, as I was sort of um, working through, you know, what I wanted to do with Nadia as a character and, and what I liked about her, um, and I was talking to, to Mark Wade, who created her for Avengers, um, one of the things that I, I really liked about her is that she has this um, combination of, of science expertise, you know, super intelligence, and, uh, and 
optimism that is you know sort of rarely seen in you know in modern comics yeah. in a lot of cases the uh, you know the scientists are the the downer characters yeah, now sure. that you know have to tell us about how the world's going to end um, but I feel like it kind of hailed back to that sort of golden age feeling of you know comics like like Fantastic Four which you know um, has this real like science base um, as, as you know what it's what it's about even if the science is at sometimes a little questionable um, <laughs> and you know, I wanted to sort of hail back to that uh, you know scientist superhero thing um but the thing about about that is you know those those comics were coming out in you know the early days of, of comics and most of those uh scientist heroes are, are male um you know they're they're guys because that was sort of the reality of the time both from uh, what types of characters they wrote in comics and what types of you know, people were uh visible scientists at that point um so the idea of, of you know nadia being uh, along with moon girl one of the first big new uh science heroes um, it really, really appealed to me, and I, I liked the idea of you know, put a, introducing more, of having a more sort of varied group of characters, and um, you know, making the distinction between types of science that uh, is often sort of left out of comics. You know, somebody does sort of science, yeah, and, you know, yeah, automatically they know like Everything. both how to do surgery and how to build a rocket. Right. Um, so you know, the idea of putting together this this group of girls who were as diverse in their knowledge as they are in their backgrounds, um, it was was appealing to me. And, and the really nice thing was was getting to sort of add new characters to the Marvel universe. Because right. my first inclination when when Tom and I were talking about this was to uh, you know try and, and put in a lot of uh, existing you know smart female characters. Um, Tom was like, you know, you, um, we still want this to be Nadia's book. So, you know, if you introduce all, if you have this many other characters in it, we're worried about Nadia getting lost. So, you know, making making Nadia the driving force of it and being able to pull in new characters, I think, um, ended up making it the sort of right combination of um, introducing cool new uh, characters and then, you know, still having the story be, be driven by Nadia and, and having, um, you know, her experiences in, in the Red Room and, um, you know, her attachment to her father be like pretty big parts of the story science is such a driving force in this series like you said it's basically not a superpower uh she's forming girl around it and even in the back of the book you guys have interviews with real life female scientists is science i'm assuming a passion of yours um you know it it goes <laughs> it goes back <laughs> and forth like i it's always one of those things that I, i've been really fascinated by but i'm, I'm not always great at uh, once you know in high school I was always really good at science and then you get to a certain point in college where uh, science becomes like 50% math yeah. and uh, <laughs> that, that I was less excited by um, you know I've, I've always been excited by the you know learning new things and um, you know seeing exploring part of science um, and, and not quite as much by the uh, the hard math part of science <laughs> um, so you know my I, I've always loved my, my wife worked in a planetarium when we were in uh, college and like being able to you know yeah go in there and it's really cool um, yeah you know people stuff like that and you know listening to people like uh, like Neil deGrasse Tyson talk mm-hmm. about science has always been um, that, that's the part of science I love is the, you know exploration and, and learning about all these uh, things that you know we could we could never dream of that are you know quite quite real yeah absolutely you mentioned Nadia's optimism how she's a kind of you know relentlessly uh forward positive looking character was that something that was baked into the character when you inherited her or is that something you really pushed for in the series I think that was something that I, I picked up a little bit in um, in Mark's work on her in uh, Avengers and that I, I made a conscious effort to pull out um, because you know she's one of 
seven or eight, you know, main characters in Avengers at any given time. Um, so, you know, she gets she gets sort of limited talking time, but, like, that was something that um, really interested me, being somebody who, um, you know, likes to write comics that I, I can share with my kids. Right. Um, and at the same time, like, has, has read, I feel like I've read a, a good enough share of, you know, real grim and gritty comics at this point. I'd sure. like to see, you know, more more fun comics. Yeah. I, I like fun comics. Uh, you know, that her being optimistic and, um, and you know, driving the story forward with, with her optimism, I think, you know, makes the comic fun. Absolutely. I agree 100%. Um, what's coming up in the next few issues for Nadia? I know we are going to be putting this episode out on Friday. The next issue of the book, number four, which you and I had a little confusion about online, uh, <laughs> did not come out this week. You got me scrambling because I got to read every comic for uh, for this podcast, and I thought I had missed Wasp somehow, but it is, in fact, out next week. So what's coming up in issues four and beyond? Well, issue four is going to be a lot of fun because uh, I think one of the first times we've, we've really gotten to see Nadia in action fighting. Mm-hmm. Like, because uh, one of the things that kind of gets lost in everything else is that she did uh, basically grow up being trained to be an assassin. So uh, she she knows how to throw punches. She knows how to fight when she needs to. Right. And, uh, you know, at the end of issue three, we get a sort of standoff between her and uh, Pound Cakes. Very our, excited you know, about giant... the Pound Cakes. Yeah, I, I love Pound Cakes. I love the, the grapplers. So I, I wanted to, you know, get some good female villains in this series as well. Um, so, you know, we, we've got Monica Rappuccini in issue one, yep. and, like, getting, uh, getting Pound Cakes in here. Uh, it's really exciting. So, you know, we get to see a real... Uh, face-off between her and Pound Cakes, which uh, I think people are going to love. You get to see a little bit of a different side of Nadia than, than what we've seen in the series so far. And uh, it's, you know, this, I think Ford is also going to be our, our issue that sort of starts the, the biggest part, the biggest conflict that's going to drive us, you know, through to uh, six and then probably beyond that. Cool. Cool. Um, you mentioned Mark Wade more than once. You obviously inherited Nadia from him. You also worked on the Monsters Unleashed issue of Champions, which introduced the great team, the Freelancers, which he is now using in the regular Champions book. What's you guys' relationship like? Is this just a series of coincidences, or have you formed some sort of uh, relationship professionally? Oh, you know, I, I love Mark. He's he's a, a really great guy, and he's been you know really helpful for me career-wise because you know, he's got quite a bit more. Uh, experience than I do both, you know, working with Marvel and, and just doing comics in general. Um, and it's, um, it was nice when I, I started working on Wasp, he sort of uh, gave me the go-ahead to just, you know, run things by him whenever I, I had questions. Cool. Um, and, yeah, the, he was, you know, before I even sent the, the script to uh, the editors, I, I sent the script to issue number one to him. And uh, I was like, just... And feel free to give me any notes. Let me know if, if I've got the character's voice right. And um, Mark was he uh, was extremely op- uh, optimistic about it. He really liked uh, you know the script for issue one. He thought I'd done a great job with Nadia's voice. And um, was so impressed, I guess, that he he asked me if uh, I'd be interested in co-writing this uh, Nadia-centered issue of, of All New Avengers that he was just working on right oh, cool. then. Um, yeah, and that you know that was that was nice because I got to do that and yeah, uh, what an experience. Yeah, it's uh, you know the uh, it was it was phrased very much as a question like would I be interested in working on Avengers with Mark <laughs> Wade like that was like yes yes I would be interested in that that's uh that's a thing that, that you know nice, yeah. that was, yeah, that's a thing most people would would dream of, of getting asked in an email and right. um yeah that was it was amazing to get to work on that and then um you know champions I I got to uh got to run a little wild with the monsters unleashed story and yeah 
Um, it was really nice to, you know, between myself and uh, Will and Ted that were the artists on that, we kind of developed the, the freelancers from scratch as this, you know, California-based amoral team. Um, you know, that likes the heroes for hire if, you know, those heroes were actually just for hire and not, you know, sort of bound by, yeah, bound by uh, you know, actual morals. Right. Yeah. Um, so, like, we liked that idea as a counterpoint to champions, and, you know, then Mark ended up picking that up for the series, which was, was really cool, because I, I didn't know that was going to happen. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, they're they're over uh, rocking the boat and champions now, and then um, beyond that, I'm actually, uh, like, right now co-writing uh, issues uh, 7 and 8 of the current Avengers series with Mark, which is... Nice. Tons of fun. Still Noto's drawing. Oh, which, uh, sweet. Yeah, like writing something and then uh, getting it back, getting back Phil Noto art of the thing that I wrote is, that's a surreal experience I'm not going to get used to. Yeah, totally. And speaking of artists, you have a great uh, collaboration going also on Wasp with Elsa Charitier, uh, whose name I hope I just pronounced correctly, hopefully. I don't know. We'll find out. Uh, <laughs> How did that? How did that come about? How did you guys take to working together? Um, well, it was um, it was luck. I, I think that it, it worked out so well. Um, you know, I had been reading some of the work that she was doing at, at DC at the time that uh, I started working on the book, um, and I, I had loved uh, her work working with uh, with DC. And you know, when uh, when I had the first couple issues of, of Wasp written, it, it dawned on me to ask if they you know knew who the artist was going to be, mm-hmm. and. Uh, trying to get Elsa on this and I was like oh that would be fantastic mm-hmm. like I, I love her work I think it would be perfect for this and um, you know, it's, it's turned out to be just sort of this huge boon to this book that um, we've had her on it not just from an art perspective and which of course she's amazing um, but also because you know she is the one who started drawing like cutaways of technology in the first issue where like we could see the insides of the robot like none of that was in the script initially mm-hmm. and I, I was looking through it and I was like you know what if what's the reason we're seeing this is we're seeing it from not perspective and like that that was sort of the the birth of like where the Nadia's neat science facts came from right was uh just from her art like you know that's one of the things that I think most people are uh excited about about the book is her neat science facts and that was you know born entirely out of me looking at uh looking at what Elsa was doing and, and getting that sort of burst of inspiration to uh, you know change up what we had already in the script and um, yeah, and then you know the the back matter, the interviews with scientists was, was something we sort of came up with together, and she does you know the little little headshots of everybody. Yeah, and it, it's really neat, and I I cannot overstate how excited like um, our our scientists have been about it as well. Like um, you know they're they're super psyched to be in a comic book and to you know um, I know uh, I know Rachel who was uh, our paleontologist from our our first uh, issue like went out and bought a, a giant stack of them and was handing them out to her lab mates and stuff like. That's crazy. Well, cool, man. Uh, I'm super excited for the next issue of Unstoppable Wasp, which will be out next week, number four. Uh, What else do you want to tell us about the book or about anything before I let you go? Um, Well, it's uh, actually the first volume of of the uh, trade is currently available for pre-order. So if you know you're one of those people that weren't able to get a hold of the first uh, issue or two, I know know, the first issue sold out and went to a second printing. Um, You know, this is a great time to sort of pre-order the book. It's going to have the letter columns that we talked about 
in the book as well so that uh, people can check that out. That's not going away with the trade collection. Um, and, you know, I, I want people to, you know, go out and check that out and uh, share it around with, uh, hopefully, you know, not only the, the comic fans, but the, the young prospective scientists in their life. So, you know, they can they can sort of not only enjoy the book, but also see uh, see what people are really working on in science and the, the really cool things these female scientists are doing. Cool. Very cool, man. Where can people find you online if they want to, uh, if they want to follow you or chat? Uh, so I am on Twitter at jrome58. It's J-R-O-M-E-5-8. Um, I'm also on Tumblr at princelesscomic.tumblr.com, uh, which I talk about everything we do on there, not just um, princeless. <laughs> um, and uh, pretty soon, they'll, uh, well, they can obviously catch Wasp now, and they'll be able to catch uh, what we're doing, what I'm writing with uh, Eric Coda over in uh, Secret Empire Underground in a couple of months. Very nice. Very excited for that. Excited to get, have you getting all these opportunities. Jeremy, you're awesome. We love your writing. Thank you for being on This Week in Marvel. That's my pleasure, Dan. Thank you. Welcome back. Well, we didn't Hello really. Hello again. Yes, we're still here. Sorry. Um, I mean, it's two weeks in a row. We're closing out this week in Marvel for you guys. Yeah, but this time we're actually closing it out with what we said we'd close it out with. So <laughs> that's a uh, daisy in my pocket. It's totally a <laughs> real saying that. I've never heard of that saying. People use. No, it's real. Um, <laughs> we're here to talk about Twin Mercy. This week we did Punisher Noir, written by Frank Thierry, art by Paulo Azaceda and Antonio Fuso, uh, colors by Nick Filardi, letters by... Actually, let me check who the letters are by. Letters by... Ah! Joe Sabino, covers by Tim Bradstreet, this was a lot of fun. I enjoyed it. Of course, I mean, we, the, the whole idea was was we were picking an alternate reality type thing to sort of loosely tie in with the fact that shields off in the framework, alternate realities, yada, 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 blah, blah, blah. Um, I, I, I had never actually read this before. I always wanted to because I like Frank Frank's work as a writer. I like Paul Azaceda's work. And, of course, he drew the majority of the series. Um, and I like Punisher, and mm-hmm. this was damn good. I was not, we're going to be full spoiler mode from here on in. I was, I was genuinely surprised when it turns out that this is Frank Castle Jr., not yep. Frank Castle, who was running around as the Punisher. Um, I also loved that, um, on this take... They are really sane. Like the why, why, how they end up in the life of violence was very indicative of the Prohibition era. Well, yeah, I mean, it was all set. It sort of flashes back between 1918, 1928, and 1935 at various points. And it is, I mean, it, it feels very. Rude in reality. It, well, it's so rude in reality. I actually did some research. So Dutch Schultz. Israel. What, yes, he is real, which which I kind of knew. But more than that, you know, the scene at the end um, of issue four where, like, he's talking about how he wants to take a hit out on the um, uh, state prosecutor yep. or, or uh, whatever, uh, Thomas Dewey. Mm-hmm. Thomas Dewey, also a real guy. Oh. He actually, uh, Dutch Schultz did try and take a hit out on uh, Thomas Dewey. 
And remember, I was talking about how like the other families like when okay the hit and mm-hmm. he's that whole thing, and then the other mobsters are sent in to kill Dutch yep. for wanting to kill Dewey. That's how Dutch Schultz actually died. Oh, in real life. In oh. real life, he was killed by other mobsters in retaliation for the fact that he tried to kill Thomas Dewey. Didn't succeed, but he tried to kill Thomas Dewey without their okay. So that whole bit where the mobsters come in, instead of, you know, like Frank driving them crazy, like it happened in the story, they actually succeeded in killing him. So, (coughs) excuse me, there's, uh, uh, I I don't know, I'm just really fascinated by the fact that Frank wrote it that far into reality. and of course, he brings all sorts of you know things in, like you know the whole Italian mobs, the Jewish mm-hmm. mobs, the 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 criminal. They they weren't quite like organized the same way as like the the Italian or the Jewish mafia were, but up in Harlem, where we see like right. Bar- Barracuda yeah. comes down from, we uh, bring in a little bit of flavor of Chicago and Al Capone, mm-hmm. which is who Jigsaw works for. This is, I mean, this is one of the more noiry. Uh, of the noir series. Of course, Context, we did a bunch of noir miniseries, you know, several years ago. This was back in, like, I don't know, 2010 2009, 2010, yeah. 2009, 2010, 2011. And this feels very, like, gritty, very dirty, very, like, you know, just the idea that's the story of, like, this son who... I mean, yes, obviously, you know, son avenging parents Mm -hmm. or uncle or whatever. That's a huge trope in superhero fiction. But the way it's presented here with sort of without any of that theatricality of of superpowers or like things like that, it's it's much more grounded. Um, I don't know. I feel like I feel like I've been going off for a while. What do you like most about it? Well, we all know I love true crime, so um, I think this, like, fits in line with everything, you know, and it's not just, like, he's on a warpath for anything. It's, uh, you know, Frank, you know, Sr., he came back from the war, and, uh, you know, he was hit really hard with his wife dying from cancer, and, you know, like, he's trying to, you know, raise Frank Jr. on his own, um, and still trying to be a good role model, preventing him on this life of being in the gang. Um, and I think it's devastating that, you know, like, the day that Frank Jr. quits, you know, like, this hooligan gang, you know, like, a bunch of teenagers. Bunch of hooligans. Uh, that was, he comes home to tell the dad, his dad his news and then, you know, finds his dad on the floor with the, you know, bullets to the head. Um, uh. But the art, the art was really fantastic. It really sets the mood of what the series is about. And um, I kind of just really loved <laughs> the violence of all of it. And, you know, learning uh, that it is, you know, true to life and how these are really key players in what, you know, America dealt with in the 30s. Yes, um... What was I going to say? Oh, and, and on the note of the art, Nick Filardi's colors on this are really amazing. The way he, everything sort of feels sort of muted without mm-hmm. feeling, like, bland. You know, it's not like, you know, it, it, it feels like 
it feels a little black and white, even though it's in color. Right. Like, it's very toned down. Every now and then you get, like, little shocks of color. But um, it's definitely a much more muted, much quieter color palette, uh, which I really appreciate. Uh, and I also love that, you know, like, it's very street level, where it's not anyone with, like, insane huge powers. It's just that, you know, Frank instilled and Frank Jr. are just survival skills learning teaching him how to shoot a gun instead of listening to their radio program because because there are mobsters coming after you <laughs> yeah um yeah and you know in dutch pretty much teaching as men a lesson by like removing Sli- their fingers slicing off their fingers i wonder <laughs> if that's true i can hello mike <laughs> our, our vp of marketing just uh walked in our way nope we've still got this room um <laughs> Uh, what was I going to say? Yes, the whole slice off the fingers thing. I'm actually curious if that's true or not. If 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 uh, Dutch really did that, if Dutch really like would slice off people's fingers. I mean, I know as like other mobsters have definitely done that, and I feel like this is totally power play. You know, if you're if you're allowing this guy to live, not only is he stealing from me, you're stealing from me, and this is the lesson you have to learn. I'll seal your fingers from you, man. Shane. And then the poor guy has so many fingers. Well, he couldn't even be a bartender and or hold a gun. Yeah, he couldn't hold a gun, so they made him a bartender, but he's not very good at that either. <laughs> so Dutch is just like, ah, come on in here then. And he's like, comes in, he's like, I'm, I'm sorry, Mr. Schultz, is there a problem? And Dutch just shoots him in the head. It's your like, problem solved. Problem solved. Now now you're, now you're, you don't have a crappy bartender anymore. Yeah. Um... But I'm also like fascinated that Dutch doesn't really have his own heavy. Like, all like you know, when he recruits Jigsaw and Barracuda, he's borrowing from other gangs. So, and, and the Russian. Let's not forget yes. the Russian. Uh, so he doesn't even have anyone on his own team. Well, no, not in terms of heavies, I guess. No. Yeah. And the Russian. Uh, did you ever read Garth Ennis and Steve Dillon's Punisher? Yes, I actually did. Yeah. So the Russian. Do you remember the Russian from that? Like vaguely, I like read it years ago. It's it's uh, they they stay very true to what Garth and Steve <laughs> did with uh, with the Russian, and I like part of this is also I feel like part of this is also Frank doing a huge homage to Garth and Steve's run on the Punisher because much like in Welcome Back, Frank, you get yep. Punisher running around a zoo fighting animals <laughs> like there's that one steve dylan panel that's just ah, i love it so much in which frank punches out a polar bear yeah. well, i also love that this alligator chewed off uh hers uh arm the russians yeah the russian and yeah. it's like no big deal you think i'm like i was like i'm not out of commission I was like, he just threw that alligator above. The Russian is a terrifying tank, both in this <laughs> and in uh, Welcome Back, yeah. Frank, and the other. I'm also like, how does anyone survive a grenade to the crotch? Just... Comic books, I everyone. Know, yeah. <laughs> I'm just always like, oh, no other damages? Comic books. Where poor Jigsaw has his whole face, like, mutilated. Comics. <laughs> Um, oh, I do also love how Jigsaw pretty much gave uh, Frank Jr. a really, you know, he a carved, mutilated he car- he tattoo. He carved the Punisher skull yeah. into his chest, <laughs> which is terrifying. 
But now, you know, both Frank Sr. and Frank Jr. have this whole, uh, this image that was left behind by dear old Ruth. The Wait, how was it left behind by Ruth? Well, because she, you know, like, she was always worried about them being taken away from the angel of death. And that's why Frank Sr. got that tattoo. And now to carry the legacy of that image, uh, Frank Jr. has it permanently on his body. Oh, yeah, I can think of more pleasant ways to have a skull <laughs> tattooed on my just than having a sociopath carve it in with a knife. But he was brave because he's all like, I was ready loose like an hour ago. I'm just letting you carve this into me. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, it's... I don't know. I, I just really dug this story. Frank did a really good mm-hmm. job with uh, really bringing you into the world, like you say, rooting it in the real world, particularly with Dutch Schultz and all the other mobs and all the stuff that was going on at the time. Um... You know, they reference Capone, they reference Meyer Lansky. Um, Bleeding families try, like, you're paying for protection in the streets of New York. Yes, it's, it's really, it's, it's, uh, it's a lot of fun, I say that, given that, I'm a huge noir junkie, so, uh, and crime junkie, uh, less true crime than Christine, I'm more into, (laughs) like, you know, like, old school, like, hey, Get that heater out of my face, buddy. <laughs> well, I do like plug that's, that's where I started with uh, a lot of LA, LA noir related stories. Um, yes. So there's all that. Um, I don't know. Let's get to uh, let's get to some uh, rear rear comments. I'll kick things off with cool. Joshua Cooper at Commander Socket. Uh, sitting down with Punisher Noir for Twim Year's after one issue, I already think I'll like Frank Castiglione much more than I do Frank Castle. <laughs> uh, which, fun story, if you don't know, Josh, I believe Frank Castiglione is his real name in the the regular comics as well. Is it? Or is it Frank Castle? Is it actually Frank Castle? I thought it was Frank Castiglione and then they shortened it along the way. Yeah, it's it's gone back and forth so many times I get confused. Pusher Noir remind me a lot of Frank Miller's Sensei. Was that series part of the impetus to make the Noir books? I don't think that series was, but I think they share obviously the same roots in Noir and detective fiction. You know, going back to like Mickey Spillane, uh, which I knew was a huge influence on Miller. Um, uh, and like I say, like those old film Noirs, like Out of the Past or... Um, this gun for hire or uh, you know the killing or i don't know i could go on for a while um you know don't shoot the piano player um all sorts of those stuff of course the noir tradition you know started back up in the what 40s with a lot of um a lot of uh european directors who fled eastern europe um coming over here to America uh, back in the 30s with the uh, advent of um, uh, Nazism and uh, Hitler taking over Germany and all that stuff. Uh, They fled, they came here, they started making movies here, and they brought very European, very sort of... um, uh, What's the word I'm looking for? Uh, not nihilistic, very nihilistic, mm-hmm. very dark, very predetermined view of things. And that really shone through in a lot of these really great film noirs. Uh, 
Joshua, if you're unfamiliar with any of the stuff I'm talking about, if you like this and you like Sensei, go check out all that. Check out Raymond Chandler and Jim Thompson and David Goodis and Mickey Splane, uh, directors like Jacques Turner, um, uh, uh, oh God, Fritz Lang, or Fritz Lang, however you're supposed to pronounce <laughs> it. Uh, a lot of his American stuff, early American stuff. Um, as well as some of his German stuff like M. M is a great sort of proto-noir. Um, anyway, like I say, I could go on about this stuff for a very long time. <laughs> but, and this speaks to anyone else who's interested in more of this type of stuff, go James Elroy if you're looking for a more modern take. Like he did, a, you know... Um, Black Dahlia? He did do Black Dahlia, mm-hmm. yes. Uh, L.A. Confidential. Mm-hmm. Um, the Underworld USA trilogy, the original L.A. Quartet. He's doing a new L.A. Quartet currently. Uh, all his stuff is great. Christine, do you have any good like crime noir recommendations? I think I just mostly read Ray Bradbury when I was starting out covering in college when I was just reading those. Ray Bradbury? Not Bradbury. Wait. Ray, Raymond Chandler. Sorry. Raymond Chandler. Okay, I, yes. I was, was going to yeah. say, I don't remember no. Ray Bradbury Sorry, last writing night, very much. I was going through a lot of these dystopian books, and that's why Ray Bradbury is on my mind. Gotcha. <laughs> yes, yes. Raymond Chandler, yeah, Raymond Chandler. is uh, probably, for my money, yeah. he's my, probably my favorite writer mm-hmm. uh, ever. Uh, I absolutely love <laughs> all of his stuff. Um, Christine, take it over with Kelsey. Kelsey, uh, Kelsey at Pipster721. Uh, she writes, literally no one has an excuse not to participate in Swim URC since Marvel provided us all a free month of Unlimited with that coupon. Hey, nice plug there. <laughs> I wonder when the West Coast prints out their tweets. Life felt a little hectic, so I may be shouting into the void with this. No, you didn't, because we're reading it right now. And we're late. <laughs> uh, I love Spider-Man Noir, especially in Dimensions, but I feel like Punisher is already so close to Noir in style that it's cheating. Mm, <laughs> yes and no. Yeah. Because... Uh, I mean, when you talk about noir, noir can be a very broad thing. And I think these series, they took noir to mean be sort of like the pulpy roots of characters. And Spider-Man Noir, did you ever read that series, Christine? That one I did read. Yeah, it, it was very, is much more fantastic. Is much more a, like of the mm-hmm. cloth of something like The Shadow. Right. Than, which, of course, also has roots and like all this type of stuff. It's all one the same. Uh, but uh, yeah, and, and this is this this was a very noir story. I don't know. It's hard to tell a noir story with a uh, with the like mainstream version of the Punisher right. that doesn't focus on one of the guys he's trying to kill or something. Like Punisher himself in the mainstream is not necessarily a very noir character. Now all the people he kills or the people Yeah, that he takes on who you know are associated with the people he kills or the people that come within his radius, those are all very much noir protagonists. But so I will disagree. I don't think it's cheating very much. <laughs> uh Kelsey continues with like it or not, my parents would have whipped me six ways to Sunday if I ever thought that if I thought that. Same, same. Punisher uh, Noir seems soft on his kid. He just <laughs> loves them, you know? Like, he, he, like Frank Jr. and Ruth was his motivation to survive the war and come back in one piece. Uh, the next one, I don't even know how to say that first word. Boop, boopkies? Bup, bupkies? Bupkis. Bupkis. Uh, 
you know this is a Nora story now. Hashtag word nerd, word nerd. Hashtag that diction, though. Is it, yep, an entire box of fingers, and they think Punisher is greasy. I don't know. I feel like I would keep that as a, a reminder to never cross me, your boss. Oh, my God, of <laughs> course you would. Uh, seems kind of strange to put the Barracuda and Jigsaw murder switched around like that. Not sure what the purpose that served. I think it was kind of cool to see going back and forth um, when he's counting down, you know, telling his father, like, in memory, like, I got two down, one down. Um, I didn't think the flow was that hard to... Well, I'm wondering, is she... I'm, I'm trying to think, like, were, were, is that how Jigsaw and Barracuda, did they, were, were they killed in similar fashions in, like, the mainstream at any point? I'm trying to think of how Barracuda died. Oh, I don't know. I don't know. Hmm. And then... Lastly, our grenades just sold at the general store in the 20s. Frank Jr. seems to have a lot of them and only uses them on animals. I know, the poor animals. <laughs> you know, uh, I don't know that it was sold at the general store, but I just think that Frank Jr. Uh, is always prepared, like his father told him. Because, you know, like when he said that story about the Russian, he's all like, good thing I was thrown into my bag. Otherwise, I would have not been here to tell you this story. Uh... <laughs> At Penelope Cat says this week's Twimmy RC selection is Punch Noir. I've read some of the Marvel Noir stories, but I'm not sure if I've read this one. I like the direct, the introduction of the Punisher radio show. The Punisher is maybe the most pulp of all Marvel characters. Yeah, I can yeah. I can take that. I mean, there's some certainly some characters from the 40s that uh, sort of make their way here, or there, back into mm-hmm. the mainstream that are very pulpy. But uh, yes, uh, I know as a fan of Paul. As a say, does work from something else, maybe a Dracula series he'd done for another publisher? I'm trying to think, did Paul do a Dracula-related series? I don't know, but I can totally see how his art style matches that. Yeah, absolutely. I remember, he, I, I mean, I can I can list off a number of things that Paul has done. Not off the top of my head, Dracula series, but having... Oh! Uh, Penelope Gat, maybe if you're thinking of Dracula and Vampires, he did do a um, BPRD series with Mike Mignola and oh. Joshua Dysert that involved a lot of vampires. I think it's BPRD 1946. Okay. Um, that may be what you're thinking of that Paul did. Oh, I should pick that up. Um, at least I think it's 46. Maybe it's 47? No, it's 46, I'm pretty sure. Um, and that involved a rocket full of vampires. Literally a <laughs> rocket shot up into the air full of vampires. It's great. Um... What is it? Frank Thierry's name was familiar to me, probably from Marvel, other Marvel work around the time. I can't remember why I'd read. He did. Frank Frank has sort of been like a staple of Marvel on and off for a while now. He did do, his most extended run was on um, Wolverine back around 2000-ish, I want to say. 2000, 2001. Um, he did a lengthy Weapon X series mm-hmm. back around the same time. Um... Well, so, well, so Frank didn't he? Frank's done a lot of miniseries, a lot of stuff mm-hmm. that like focuses on like the criminal element. Uh, he's very good at writing very street level things, and he's a dear friend of Marvel.com. <laughs> As a fan of noir and neo noir movies, this line was right up my alley. And Punisher's tragic backstory is tailor made for this. Yes, indeed. I really did enjoy this line. It uh, it was relatively short lived, but I think they did like. Probably like 30 comics all said and done. Yeah. Between everything. So it had a, yeah, a nice little run. It felt like a good, solid gangster story that just happened to feature some connections to Marvel characters. Mm-hmm. Much like we were talking about. Yeah, this also very much reminds me of the original uh, Scarface movie. 
which I think sort of predates noir a little bit. It's more of like in the hey, gangster movie mode. Never watched it. Um, it's very good. <laughs> uh, Christine, pick up. Uh... Uh, I appreciate that the origin was tweaked instead of just retelling the original in different costumes. Totally faked me out. Uh, yeah, I definitely did not see that twist coming. That you know, that he's carrying on the mantle. I also got faked out by the revelation of the noir version of Black Widow. The story about the Russian felt like a throwaway. Oh, so that is actually Penelope Cat. That is actually not the Russian version of the Black Widow. Like we mentioned, the Russian is actually a character from Garth Ennis and Steve Dillon's run. He appeared in Welcome Back, Frank, as well as the um, first arc that Ennis and Dillon did post that. So, Welcome Back, Frank was that 12-issue series, and then they start an ongoing series, and the first arc of that, the Russian returns, and has a hilarious fight with Spider-Man and the Punisher. Uh, it's well worth reading. I, be- I believe that should be on... Unlimited. On Unlimited. So, check that out. It's uh, the 12-issue series, Welcome Back, Frank, uh, that was uh, published by under the Marvel Knights imprint back around like 99 I want to say and then the first five issues of um, the ongoing series that was published also under Marvel Knights that started very shortly after Welcome Back Frank highly 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 recommend those books some of the best Punisher comics out there Um, next uh, tweet from Penelope Caddis Antonio Fuso's art in issue 4 was a noticeable change but the coloring kept things feeling consistent this was a fun series and makes me want to read or reread the other noir stories. Me too. Yes. Uh, and then Penelope got you on to Luke Cage Noir, and uh, we did not make it to Luke Cage Noir. <laughs> that was an executive decision by yes. our boss, Ben. Um, Should we so, finish out but, with Robert at CatRogers44? Yep. But it looks like you're enjoying Luke Cage, so continue enjoying Luke Cage. That was also a good, fun uh, noir story. Robert at Kept Rogers 44. Punisher Noir, a very interesting take on the Punisher, one I think that works slightly better in terms of realism than its contemporary counterpart. Uh, <laughs> minus the Russian <laughs> shrugging <laughs> off a grenade to the personal parts. <laughs> love those custom 1911 45s. I love that you recognize them as custom 1911 45s. I'm not sure uh, what that means. I think it's a model of the gun, but I would not know how to pinpoint that in a display of guns yeah also the art is very gritty which i love kind of feels like jessica jones in some ways overall great read from the west coast it is is very much like uh like paula zaseda and michael gatos who does the art on jessica jones they are very much of the same cloth i'd say um and both both great artists both great storytellers that wraps up everything for yeah. us. Uh, we have uh, the East Coast's pick for the next film URC, which is the 2008 Guardians of the Galaxy series by Dan Abnett and Andy Ling. I but, wonder why they chose that. And I'm going to go on a limb here and guess that they are just reading the first six issues of that and not the whole 25-issue series. Yeah. Uh, ben said he hasn't chosen how many issues, but we're going to assume the, next, the first arc. Yeah, let's go with the first arc. Um, <laughs> so start reading that. Yeah. It's a great, great, great comic book. It's like what inspired. Like Christine said, it's so totally random that they would choose that. Yeah. Like, that's just such an out-of-nowhere pick. Like, I wonder wh- why. Why on earth would they pick a Guardians of the Galaxy comic now? Especially of- this oh, run. Oh, oh. Especially this specific run. There's a... Um, 
there is a uh, five-part um, marathon on Disney XD in two weeks of new Guardians of the Galaxy uh, totally. episodes for the animated Those series. Those were definitely bet, inspired by... I bet that is why they picked this <laughs> run. I'm almost yep. positive. I am willing to bet $200, go on the record here, <laughs> that that is why they chose these comics. And no nope. other reason. Nope. Uh, <laughs> Thank you, thank you all for listening. Uh, we got to wrap up so that Christine has enough time to edit this and send it off to the East Coast to upload uh, so that you can listen to it. Today! Today, yay! So, thanks everyone. Uh, until we talk to you next time, this is Marvel. Your... Pizza Cat. Oh, what? I don't know.